show 256 and it's quite fitting because at the end of week 17 on Sunday night the 256 game will have been played for the 2016 NFL season this show we're calling not keen on championships in week 17 but we'll give you the player match the matchup breakdown anyway so on this show me and Houdini and Stag Party are doing it over a Zencaster recording so we are not together but we are doing it all as a as a as a as a trio here. And what's going on, fellas? How's it goes? Well, it's good to be here recording a podcast. Uh, nice to be able to do it from the, the comfort of my home, since I was uh, probably good for you guys, because I was dealing with a, a really bad cold uh, that it turned a little bit worse this week. So, pleasure to not be spreading my germs upon you, but to be spending the audio airwaves with you. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> sound, uh, you sound, you sound better. You sound better than I thought you would, uh, Houdini. Well, it's a good thing you didn't get me yesterday. It would have been a lot worse. So, <laughs> um, cool. Well, you know, in this show, one thing we're going to try and do just to keep. We know most of you guys don't have your have played your uh, championship in week sixteen. We definitely think you should, uh, for many reasons that you'll hear throughout this show. But to keep you guys energized. And for people that are listening that really don't have any uh, skin in the game and uh, the stakes are low for you because your uh, your season is over in fantasy football leagues, uh, we're going to talk through each of these matchups and with each of these teams and kind of go into some interesting um, interesting offseason and, and foreshadowing uh, information on a few players here and there um, on each team for next season. So we're going to keep you gripped in here. This is best basically the last game of the regular season, as you know. Um, we will be covering 
uh, the matchups of the playoff games throughout the playoffs and through the Super Bowl. So you can listen to the Pyro Podcast. We're year-round. But in those shows, kind of like in this show as well, we will be um, doing a lot of uh, off-season and preseason and getting ready and strategy for next season. So all games are played on Sunday this week. There's no Thursday night game. There's no Monday night game. And unlike last year, Week 17, I think, was mostly played on Saturday's games. We did that last week uh, for Week 16. Every game is going to be on the 1st of uh, January this uh, this year. So let's uh, get into the Ravens at the Bengals and um, talk about the first thing with the Ravens, you know, a little narrative street, as you like to call it, Staggeroony. Um Fist, Stevie Fist says he's 98% sure that he's going to uh, retire. I call bullshit. He's coming back. He wants to pad those stats. He wants to get, make himself more Hall of Fame ready. Uh, I think he'll be back. But uh, let's talk about the Ravens in this matchup against the Bengals. And guys that are listening, just know we're going to bounce around more than ever uh, because it's just these games don't matter that much. So we're going to have fun with it. We're going to do our thing. And then. Uh, if we want to, are we going to, fellas, are we going to do that stuff at the end? Should I mention it or should we just sprinkle it in amongst the games? All right, we're going to hold that one off for a future show. Go for it, Stag Party. What do you got for the Ravens in this one? So, with Steve Fisk, I don't think he needs to do any more for a Hall of Fame career. I think he's a locked in Hall of Famer. He's the first player under six feet tall with over a thousand catches in his career. Uh, he's got, what, 1,028 now. He should be somewhere. You know, in the 1,030s, I think he's a locked-in Hall of Famer for all the things that he's done. And early in his career, also, he was an electric punt returner. So I expect Smith to be a sort of Hall of Famer when all is said and done. It looks like this could be, you know, that time. I agree with that. There's no question. He's, he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's padding his stats just for his stature amongst the top 10 uh, stat wide receivers. And you see the games as they're going, you know. All the all the big guys, Larry Fitz, Bolden, him, uh, they're all just kind of like right up there, and everything they do is a new record or a new milestone for themselves. Uh, so I agree. I agree with you um, on that. He's already a Hall of Famer, uh, Deanie, uh What are your thoughts on any of the matchup uh, situations for this Ravens? Uh, if you want to sprinkle over it and uh, get into it. Well, you know, I guess the guy to me that, uh, that that seems to be interesting, I mean, again, we're talking about a division matchup here, so I'm not even expecting this to be a, a high-output type of a fantasy game. But, again, looking toward next season, looking toward guys that uh, I'm, I'm, I kind of have some excitement about, I still want to see more about in the growth of uh, Brashad Perriman. You know, realize that he did not play his entire rookie year, so this is basically his rookie season. And this is a situation where you want to know, because if Stevie Fist does decide to retire, then Perriman has to assume a bigger role in the offense. He is the burner out there. Is, you know, Mike Wallace, we know what Mike Wallace is, but I I, I don't know, you know, maybe Mike Wallace is going to get a benefit next year. I mean, what do you think about that uh, if Stevie Fist is gone? I think Perriman will be the guy who sees the most targets. I don't think Mike Wallace's role will change much. Uh, the other guys will all be involved. We'll see how the backfield sort of shakes out, but it could be sort of a mixture of Kenneth Dixon. I mean, if you're looking at keeper leagues and you got Kenneth Dixon late, I mean, he's sort of interesting. I don't think he's going to be the full-on running back one for that team. I think they're still going to mix guys in and things along those lines. So I expect Perriman to take you know a lot of the snaps. 
you know, potentially a lot of those targets, and then we'll see what they can get back at the tight end position. You know, after being a little bit banged up, losing Benjamin Watson after signing him to a big free agent contract. We'll see how that sort of shapes out. One of the big things this week is motivation, and this is a game without much motivation aside from Steve Smith. I mean, these are both division rivals. All week 17 games this year are division rivalries. Uh, so that's something that's you know might be a little bit sloppier uh, when you look at play. These teams know each other. So expecting a little bit of sloppy games. And also, this, along with motivation, there are some teams that have it and there are some teams that don't. And this is one of those games where neither team has it. So I'd look for some Smith, uh, a lot of Smith action, and then other guys who are trying to reach milestones and younger players that they're trying to figure out. So maybe Brashad Perriman plays ahead of Mike Wallace this week, even if it's a tougher matchup. You know, this game's also going to be an epic trash-talking battle between Smith and Pac-Man Jones. So I can't wait to sort of watch that a little bit, just because the crap talked, you know, in this game should be epic. Just, <laughs> just if, if you talk too much crap with Stevie Fist, um, Pac-Man Jones might be in that neck brace again that he came, walked out of court in that one time. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> um, Stags, you're a little bit hot on the mic. If you could turn it down just a tad, but other than that, you sound good. I'm sorry, I'm doing that uh, live, but um, this is what happens when no one's in the same room. Uh, anyway. That's, I totally agree. When we talk about a lot of these games, one thing we'll forementioned is motivation. Is there any skin in the game? Is there any reason for them to try and keep their good guys in? Is there any reason to try and play the game all the way through? Ravens and Bengals, both out of the playoffs. Uh, should, be, uh, should be not much happening. On the flip side of the ball, A.J. Green wanted to play, was getting ready to play, had been practicing for a couple weeks to play. The team, the management uh, decided – you know what, you're not playing, and I guess he was kind of pissed about it, went home and uh, to where L.A. or something and isn't even traveling with the team and was basically like pissed off. He wanted that sixth 1,000-yard season. They're not going to give it to him. I don't know. I, I'd be pissed too. I mean, A.J. Green, that's a, he's the only guy ever that would have had six in a row, right? I think Larry you Fitzgerald. You would have Randy Moss. Moss, Okay. Larry Fitzgerald had missed one out of those first seasons. Uh, yeah, Moss, that makes sense. So, AJ Green's not playing. Uh, when you go to Dalton, God, what a what a what a letdown season for him. Just when you thought that he was going to come and and take that next step, uh, his weaponry kind of got banged up on him here and there. But just a depressing season for him. What else do you guys see in this game? And let's quickly move on to the next one. I mean, with Dalton, it looked like he was off to a great start with A.J. Green. They weren't scoring a lot of touchdowns. You know, they didn't have Tyler Eifert, who was their sort of red zone beneficiary. Those guys, you know, were never really on the field that much together. I think they played two or three games together. Uh, So he never had his full weaponry in the red zone, and that suppressed his touchdown numbers. But everything else you look at, you know, Dalton's a fine QB2 mid-range next year. I, I think you could draft him, with, and he might have a little bit of upside, you know, with A.J. Green coming back, with uh, Tyler Eifert back, who's going to also miss this game after missing last week, now on IR. Uh, so he won't be back for the rest of the year, you know, of one game. 
And then looking at these other receivers, we should see Tyler Boyd continue to take some step forward. But also we saw, because they were out of it, they featured Cody Core a lot last week and gave him 14 targets to figure out if he could be a playmaker for them on the outside. You know, potentially Brandon LaFell, we saw he had sort of a resurgence season. Had another, you know, pretty good game last week, catching six passes for 130 yards and a touchdown. So I think this has the makings of the right offense. We just need to figure out, you know, who exactly they are. We've got to see Jeremy Hill, if he's going to be a lead back, or if, you know, Gio Bernard is going to get back quickly from his ACL injury and sort of it's going to be this two-headed monster again. But I don't know if I want a lot of, you know, Bengals next year, except for maybe A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert. Um, looking at it, I'm not very interested in any of these guys this week. I think Brandon LaFell holds the most fantasy appeal. But other than that, I don't think in DFS I want to roster a Dalton or, you know, Tyler Boyd. You know, maybe Cody Core at the minimum. But then I, I don't really want – I'm probably staying away from most of these guys. Well, you know, the thing is that you got you got uh, <laughs> Marvin Lewis, who's still going to play everybody and play to win the game uh, because he's still playing to keep his job, which I can't believe that he is. But so what I have a feeling is that they'll play hard. They're going to but they're not going to play well, because I, I just don't think that they're that his his mantra is working as much anymore. And this is where I, I wonder if Cincinnati in the, in the front office is going to be smart enough to understand that if you really want to take this team to the next level, Marvin Lewis is not the coach that's going to do it. You know, the fact that he took it to all those playoffs, he had all those opportunities. He failed on all of those opportunities. And now he just gave you a turd burglar of a season. So, Next year, the guy that I really like, I love A.J. Green for next year. I love a guy that has a chip on his shoulder, wants something to prove. And, you know, the other thing is that with ACL for Giovanni Bernard, look, they're going to probably draft another running back because uh, Jeremy Hill has not proven that he can be a 20-carry back that's going to give you the consistent production uh, like, like some of these other guys that are out there in the NFL. So they're going to look to probably restock that backfield. Then it becomes a three-headed monster. So... Um, can I really like anyone that's in this passing attack but outside of A.J. Green? Is there another, like, a, a T.J. Hushmanzada to a Chad Johnson? No, I don't see it right now. Nice. Um, one thing I will say is that LaFell on that one long touchdown he had, that was the nicest-looking play of his career. He looked like a different guy. Uh, I don't know how, how he pulled that up, but he looked like friggin' Peter Warwick or something out there. Let's Peter move on to the Warwick. next game. Peter Warwick. We're going to bring one back. Hey. But he does that once in a while. He gives you like where he is a weird, ridiculous play, and then he just will, you know, for a better term, let's go to Dogmatica. He'll shit the bed. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next game and do, talk about the Texans, who are um, going to be in the playoffs and the te- against the Titans, who are not going to be. So motivation, uh, really the, ty- the Texans – uh, don't have much. They're in the playoffs. They already secured their uh, their spot. Um, so let's talk about that. You know that Savage is playing. Go for it, Stag Party. I mean, when we talk about motivation, the Texans have pretty much none. They can't move up from their slot uh, of the four seed. They can't move down. Uh, so, you know, a guy like Lamar Miller, who's a little bit banged up right now, uh, and you're going to be in the playoffs, there's no sense to play him. And if he's even active, like, I'm not going to rank Lamar Miller no matter what, even if they say he's going to play. Like, it's just not going to happen for me. Even if he's active, I think he's more of a, you know, 
just uh, fake and active just to say he was in the lineup, give him, you know, his 15th start of the season, any more than that. But I don't think he gets a carry in this game, Like even if he's active. I don't like it. So I think Blue's going to be the guy to carry a lot of the workload. We saw that last week, and he looked a little bit better than he has pretty much his entire career. He looked, you know, fairly explosive. So I like him enough, but Tennessee's uh, right up there with the bust, you know, stopping the run game, allowing fantasy points to the running back position. So I don't really love Blue in this matchup, but he's probably an RB2 on volume alone. I think they'll also mix in those other guys. But this could also be a game where they just have to let Savage grip it and rip it to where he has to throw it 40 times in this game just to see who Tom Savage is if he's their starting quarterback going into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Stags. And not only is he their quarterback going into the playoffs, and then, you know, so let him have this opportunity to really try to, you know, get more creative this week. But at the same time, is he going to be their quarterback going into the next year? Because they, they're, they're not sold on Brock Osweiler. So are they going to, now most likely they're going to have to probably dip back into the draft. I don't know that they're, unless they're going to try to do uh, some crazy deal where they want to try to get Jay Cutler or something. I, I don't know what. You know where where the 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 end all lies for Houston and and who that really hurts is as we saw it's it hurt the seat this year it's uh, it's Nuke you know Hopkins is the one that really gets uh, hurt by this yeah and ever since Savage has come into the games the targets are way up and he's had his his best uh, fantasy output of the season here's my question in a game like this is Nuke uh, going to get uh, a full slot a full play play day. Um, or is it kind of like him with some of these injuries that have come up uh, mostly at the quarterback position in the past couple weeks? Is, is, is the team going to be like, you know what, we made the playoffs and, and keep him on limited snaps? I, I believe he would be. Why would you want to risk your your potential in the playoffs? You've had a horrible season. As, as, as whatever he's been doing lately, it's great. you know. But I don't, I don't want to see him out there for more than one series, if that. I don't know. I, I disagree. I think you have to see if Nuke and Tom Savage have any – sort of appeal together if they have any chemistry these guys haven't worked together pretty much all season long the first game he got what 15 targets when savage entered but then last game he had just six like everybody was expecting a big blow up for nuke last week and it didn't happen he was awful like there's nothing that showed signs of life after that sort of second half a couple weeks ago so i need to see you know what they have together you know, this game, I think it's very important for them to get on the same page, uh, get going, and seeing if they can do it together in the playoffs, or else you might have to go back to Brock Osweiler, especially with you know Savage being on the injury report today with a knee injury, even though he participated in full. All right. Um, let's go over to the other side of the ball, unless you guys have any anything else to say there. I mean, fedora hat, whatever. Um, Catch five passes and, you know, not do much. Like... Like he has all season. It's yep. He's a PPR play, not a great standard play. But yeah. Well, the okay. touchdowns move on to the Titans. The touchdowns disappeared for him for the last what seven weeks. So that that's really where it, where it ended for him. Yeah, and as you said, you were the Iowa guy. You're like he's he was a block. He's a blocker. He just kind of had a fleeting moment of of, of having some some action. Just because one reason, one reason only. That's why I was a check down chump. And it was worked out in Fedora Hat's uh, favor. Let's go to the Titans. Bummer, obviously, uh, after uh, Mark Mariota was having a great season. Is now done for the season. They are not in the playoffs, so he'll have a good offseason to, to kind of 
get get healthy and and and, and deal with that whole thing. Um, but just a bummer to see that happen, especially because now are you worried if they kind of RG3 style that he's not going to want to run and he's going to be a different player and he's going to have to change his game, all those sort of things. Uh, let's flip uh, on to that. I don't even know who's, who's, who's even the quarterback on that team. Matt maybe. Castle. Oh, my God. Yeah, That's it's right. not going to be good. So when we talk about Mariota, which we're also looking at in addition to his broken sort of fibula, he also has some ankle damage. We've seen how that can sort of be lingering and affect players long term. I mean, that was sort of the injury for Thomas Rawls last year and how it took him so long to get back. Uh, So this is something worth monitoring all offseason long. We'll see. Uh, But for this week, I don't know if the Titans pass catchers have much appeal you know, with Matt Castle, we've seen him really, really struggle here last, you know, couple of seasons, no matter where he played. Um, the rest of the guys, I think it's just a run game, and we might see more Derrick Henry than we usually do. Yeah, it's 100% going to be a run game. It, they, it, they could actually have some success, right, because Houston's got nothing to play for. If they end up pulling guys out of the game just because it's one of those ones that if it's a close game – do you really want to have these guys out there pushing it hard when they need to be getting some rest, when they're really going to need to have a more impactful game in the next week? So I can see a DeMarco and a Henry uh, both have a monster game, but I, I agree with you. Henry could be the one that could get all the red zone touches in this game. Like Derek Henry could be huge in this one, uh, especially with Jadavion Clowney probably going to be out. He wasn't at practice today. I, I don't think they need to push him back with his long injury history back into the lineup. Uh, going forward for the Titans, you know, it's all going to depend on Marcus Mariota's health because we saw that he can be dynamic. Uh, now we just need to see that next step from him doing it against more elite teams and sort of becoming a little bit more matchup proof. Because that was his real big flaw is when he plays tough defenses, he, he really steps back and, you know, doesn't have great fantasy performances, doesn't put up the numbers. So I think that's the next step in his maturation. And if that happens, he could be a fantasy monster for years to come. Well, the thing with that is the person who would benefit is a Richard Matthews. You know, you know, here's the guy that you're going to say, is he really this or that? You know, he, he showed a lot of flashes when he was back in Miami. And, you know, he's given you a lot of that, that that nice positive bang that you're seeing this year. Enough reason for them to say, we don't need to keep around a Doriel Green Beckham. Uh, you know, enough to a reason to say that they're probably going to be, could maybe part ways with a Kendall Wright. You know, th- this is one of those things where he could maybe become into a bigger situation there. I'm interested to see what moves they make because that's going to indicate to me where his position will lie going forward. But he could be a sneaky, uh, uh, a better pick next year, you know, instead of a waiver wire guy. Uh, I, I think he's definitely a wide receiver three going into next year. But this is also a team I expect to, you know, look for playmakers at the wide receiver position in the draft. Whether it could be that elite downfield stretcher or elite outside weapon or if it could be a playmaker in space, just to add a new dimension to this offense. So I definitely expect them to address that uh, in the draft. I think a playmaker is definitely going to be added to this team, and that's just going to make them even better, because we've seen you know this offensive line gel and improve, and we've seen the improvements out of Mariota. The only thing they don't have is a guy who can sort of go up and get it in the, in the red zone. Delaney Walker's getting a little longer in the tooth, but... 
You know, they made that sly pickup of a Jason Morrow off of waivers earlier in the season. We'll see if he's able to be incorporated more and more into the offense uh, with Delaney Walker getting up there in age. But this is an offense to keep an eye on, you know, as we go forward into, you know, the next couple seasons here. Cool. Well, before we uh, head into the next matchup, let's keep the lights on. All right, the next game on Sunday, January 1st, 2017, is the Carolina Panthers are going to be down in Tampa Bay playing the Buccaneers. The poor Buccaneers have a little chance to uh, make it into the playoffs. Uh, I guess 0.26% chance. Um, Essentially, the only way they get in is is how again? It's um, who's got to make a tie? Basically, Uh, they have to win. Giants and Washington have to tie. Yeah, well, Giants Washington have to tie, and there's like five other steps as well. Like it's well, not just one tie. It, I, I'm I'm on a on a Bleacher Report thing here, and they're and they're showing like all the teams' uh, chances here. Like Atlanta Falcons should be able to clinch number two seed. Uh, Seattle Seahawks. Many questions going into the postseason. Tampa Bay Buccaneers need a win and a miracle. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense to me. There, there's a lot that needs to happen for them to make the playoffs. But first, starting off with Carolina, how about the disappointment of Cam Newton this season? Uh, I His passing just has looked awful all year. And we've seen like over the last you know two months that he's completing over or under 50% of his passes, which was my sort of worry. Like, And the touchdowns have just disappeared. Um, basically... He's passing like he did back in 2014 and not 2015. You know, 18 and 12 interceptions. Uh, you know, this year it was 18 and 11 a couple of years ago. And now he doesn't show that willingness to run. And as quarterbacks progress later into their life, like running usually seeds a little bit. So I don't know where to rank him as a fantasy asset next yet. I think he's probably going to be a back-end QB1, but he's definitely not locked into the top five by any means. No, you know what? And this was a career year. Beware. After the amazing year he had last year, was only destined to have to have some sort of a drop-off, and it all fell off. And it all fell off. Yeah, the quarterback position continues to fluctuate year to year. Um, They're just, year after year, these guys don't finish number one back-to-back. Last guy to do it was Dante Culpepper back 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 then. I'm just never going to draft a guy who finishes number one at his position just because they're bound for regression, and somebody else is bound to step up in their stead. I think I'll do my sort of piece on that here in the offseason. But number one's just a little bit of a curse that I don't want much to do with. Yeah, last year, Cam Newton, uh, 35 TDs, 10 interceptions, um, and he had 10 rushing touchdowns. Jesus. This year, he had 18. This year, he barely did. He finished 17th at the quarterback, 18 and 11 at five rushing. Going to be, and he was definitely the number one quarterback taken in most leagues. Uh, Sometimes... Rogers, sometimes uh, Wilson, but scary, scary stuff. Uh, let's talk about the running game there with them. What do you guys think, Stuart? Um, I mean, are they? Is this team going to do anything, or are they just going to mail it in? I, I like Stewart enough. I think he gets some volume, but the question is, this is also a guy who's injury prone. Like 
they're completely out of it. He's got a lot of workload over the last couple of years, and we saw a lot more Fozzie Whitaker last week than we have in the past. But when he carried the ball last week, he was extremely effective. So it's a little bit of those, are, are they going to protect him? And it's going to be hard to know uh, going in. But it's a division rival. They might want to set the tone with the run game and sort of see if they can start to put together pieces of this broken offense right now because they just got to put it back together because this thing fell apart big time. So Stewart's not a safe play by any means, but we've shown the ability of him being a good runner. And at this point, that's really all you can look for. Well, I mean, all right, quickly go through the receiving side of the, this team and Houdini, do what you got to do. No, that's and then let's going. bounce over to the uh, Bucks. That's where I'm going. Are you going, going to the Bucks? Okay. No, no, I'm going to the receivers. I'm going to the receivers. And, you, you know, it was a complete disappointment. You, you've had uh, Kelvin Benjamin did not make the impact that, uh, that I thought he was going to make coming back into this offense. You have Devin Funches, who really has not taken any real step forward to become another, to become a dynamic weapon in the offense. Still the most dynamic weapon is Ted Ginn. So what does that tell you? You know, that's that's the problem with, with Carolina is that they have not drafted anybody else to put around Greg Olson, who's been phenomenal at the tight end position. But part of the reason why he has been is because they've been so dreadful at the wide receiver position. So it's called I'm the only playmaker on the field. So going forward, the other problem is that this is an aging team. So you got young, younger Cam Newton, but you got older Jonathan Stewart. You got Greg Olson, who's not at the highlight of his career anymore. And, uh, you know, eventually you need to bring in some young studs, and they haven't really done it. And the thing is they keep drafting these bigger wide receivers with giant catch radiuses because Cam's an inaccurate passer, and they just think these guys are going to be able to adjust to whatever is thrown to them. Because Cam's not always going to put it on the money. They can't get one of these Antonio Brown-type space players uh, and use them because Cam might not be able to hit them. Great point. Wow. I never really thought about that. Great point. I was wondering why they went and got uh, Funchess Among Us uh, when they had, had the exact replica of him with uh, Calvin Benja. But but if, if, I understand that he has a big catch radius, but the guy had problems making catches inside the radius. <laughs> <laughs> not disagreeing with you there. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> true that, true that. Let's, um, okay, you know, quickly, Greg Olson had a great finish to the season. Let's see if he can add to it. Uh, over 1,000 yards, um, you know, only had three TDs, but right now sitting at the uh, second uh, tight end overall in fantasy points behind Kelsey. So Olson getting it done year in and year out. This is a guy that probably went higher this year than any year in his life, but I don't know why. This guy is always overlooked. Still. Yeah. The thing with Olsen is it looks like both of the top two tight ends are going to finish with like under five touchdowns, which would be insanity, all yardage based um, compared to years past where these guys just pile up the touchdowns. And in addition to that, you look at last week, he played just 58% of the snaps. Is he a guy they're going to take it easier on? Because they usually play him 90 to 100% of snaps in a regular game. So I'm a little bit worried if they're going to, completely toss him out there but with all the injuries at tight end and all the guys missing right now greg olson's locked in for you i mean i don't think there's a streaming option you could say is a better play 
Well, as a segue to the next team, the um, I'll ask you a little trivia question. Which tight end has the most tight uh, touchdowns on the season? Cameron Bright with eight. There's going to be no tu- there's going to be no tight end with double digit touchdowns this year unless like Delaney Walker catches three of them. And I'm going to put the odds on that at unlikely. That would be the first time that's happened since 2006. Uh, wow. Just not a great year for the tight end position. They weren't scoring many touchdowns, and, and the guys who were all ended up on the shelf late in the season. So remember. Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Bright, now on IR, you're not going to see him. It's all Mike Evans. I don't think you want anything else to do with this wide receiver core. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston makes for a, a decent play because we know they need to win. They're in the 1 o'clock time slot, so they're not going to know the outcomes here before they play. So they're going to be going, chucking it. And the other guy besides Jameis Winston is going to be Jaquiz Rogers. Charles Sims is now on IR. Doug Martin's having some problems, you know, potentially failing a drug test for Adderall and, you know, having issues keeping his life and saying he's going to go into rehab for his issues, and they wanted to get that. So he's been, you know, home with personal, you know, issues as of this week. And it's it's tough for Doug Martin, who also, by doing that, voided his contract for next year, his guaranteed money, so they can still choose to retain him. But all that guaranteed money that they paid him, you know, uh, in that deal last year for $35 million, all the guaranteed money is now gone. And that guaranteed was only $15 million was guaranteed. Uh, what, this year. Something, something tells me. I've done Adderall. I bet you all three of us have tried Adderall. I, we got friends that don't do drugs that are like, think Adderall's friggin' like taking mushrooms and they're rookies. Adderall is not the issue. I have a feeling that there's something. I know that that's what they're saying. I know that he's going to check in to get help for Adderall. But let's be honest. Taking an Adderall is like taking five no-dose. It's, it's really not that big of a deal. Adderall is prescribed to Harvard students and, co- and smart kids and people with ADD to help you be-, be better. This isn't some sort of dark, lingering drug. I'm sorry. There's something else deeper going on, and Adderall is either making people that are doing coke test positive or maybe even other molly or other stuff like that test positive. There's something else here for Doug Martin to check himself in. I've never heard of some anyone checking themselves in for Adderall. And two, for him to void out a guaranteed the all that guaranteed money and he worked so hard. He had such a rough four years in his first four years of the career. Then he lights it up last year to finally get that money all offseason. We were so happy for him. Like, Dougie got his cash, and now he's going to fuck it up in the last uh, – it, it's it's just weird. I don't understand. It rings kind of like that Josh Gordon thing that happened earlier in the season that right before he's about to be reenacted, he just basically says, uh, I'm not ready. I'm, I'm a drunk. I, it's just weird. There's something something deeper and bigger going on than Adderall. Yeah, I, I in my in my opinion, I, I'll I'll agree with you to an extent, just because it just seems it is a weird story, you know, on that account, you know, and and how I how I think it really affects this team going forward, though, I don't know that it really does either which way. I mean, I I think that I don't know that I think they don't want to be as invested into Doug Martin as they were, and now they're freed up of that uh, the guarantees in, in that contract, um, you know, whether they want to retain him or not, or. Um, that's it'll be interesting, but I don't think it hurts Jameis Winston for next year because Winston, the other thing that he's 
been dealing with is still a young, young offensive line. And if they, they're going to get another year uh, of experience, but I think if they can add something to that offensive line, you bring in a, a veteran at this point in time uh, now to solidify that line. Uh, I think that would be a huge, could be a huge gain. And you're going to need to put another weapon at wide receiver next to Mike Evans. And so maybe if you save the money and you can make, you know, find a way to not have to deal with Doug Martin, you get, get out of that contract altogether. Maybe you go spend some of that money on a wide receiver. Uh, I think, I think Martin's definitely gone. I think you're completely right that they're super excited that now they're out from underneath them. Let's be honest, Jack quiz on your face runs like with abandon and looks great in that offense. And you got Sims, who obviously has some health issues and is on IR, was placed on IR this week after being injured all season. Uh, but they're gone. They're going to be done with Martin. Unless that family, the ownership, loves that guy and has feels indebted to him and wants to help him through it, he's a goner. Um, go, go go ahead. If you really think that Jack Quiz on your face is, is, is the answer after how many years has he been in the league and he's been bounced off of how many teams, he's a nice plug and play when you need him. It gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit of juice, but he is not a guy that you're going to hit your wagon to. I agree with you, but watching him run this year in that offense, he looked like he looked like he had those moments of serendipity, almost Devontae Freeman esque. No one was running harder. And just so you listeners know, if you hear a little bit of a of a, a mess up in our audio here, or there we're testing this new thing, the Pyro Podcast Auto Tune. So it's a thing we're testing out. If you hear uh, if you hear Houdini or Stag Party or my voice, all of a sudden sound like. Uh, Kanye from 808 Heartbreaks. Uh, it, 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 we meant to do it. It isn't an internet or bandwidth issue. <laughs> All right, Stag Party's already annoyed. One thing, I, last thing I'll say on the um, on the tight end side of the thing with Cameron Brayton. That remember all off season how we were talking about the tight ends are back. They've made a, such a such a moment and such a mark for themselves in fantasy over the last couple of years. Those tight ends, they just didn't want to ride that momentum. And then all of a sudden, back at square one. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the next game, and that's going to be the Browns at the Steelers. Uh, I mean, the Browns basically are incentivized to lose, and the Steelers are going to sit everyone. So let's get do this one really quickly. So first of all, uh, Cleveland had to cancel the uh, winless parade. Um, and they ended up making donations to, I think it was, uh, it was the Salvation Army or Boys and Girls Clubs or, or uh, Homeless, the Homeless, I think it was. So very good for, uh, for them to spend the money on that. This, this game is another one where you talk about where, uh, you know, the, uh, the Texans had nothing to play for. They're locked into where they are. Well, that's where the Cleveland's opponent is, and that's the Steelers. They have absolutely no reason to play anybody. Uh, they have the third seed locked up. It's not going to change. So but when you look at the Browns on their offense with RG3, he's even when he's out there and he's giving you everything RG3's got, he's giving you 154 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, Terrell Pryor has been rendered ineffective since his return. I think he has a total uh, was it, 58 yards receiving in his last three games. Good God. Uh, he's banged he, up too. Yeah, and, and you have uh, Gary Burnage. No, you're not going to get anything out of there. The only person that's even worse starting is because he'll get the touches in the red zone and he'll get the most touches is Isaiah Crowell. Other than that, there's no one else you can trust. Absolutely agree. Val Barry. (laughs) 
weak sauce. Uh, quickly, I'll just say, um, anything else you guys want to talk about the Browns? I say we really cruise the, through this one. I Go mean, Cleveland it. just needs to lose. Or they're they're lose. not going to have the number one pick. The number one pick is going to be worth so much more than the number two pick in a draft. So you just got to lose. Um and do it. And right now against Pittsburgh, you're going to see guys you may have never heard of just going off for Pittsburgh. So that that's interesting. It's going to be started by Landry Jones. It's expected to see some D'Angelo Williams if he can get back healthy. But it might be a lot of Fitzgerald Toussaint again. And some Kobe Hamilton, Sammy Coates, Eli Rogers, all these sort of ancillary wide receivers. I think you'll see some Jesse James. But you know, knowing exactly which guy is the guy to go off with Landry Jones is tough at the wide receiver position. If I have to go, I'm going to go basically Eli Rogers, Coates, and then Kobe Hamilton. Um, Can I ask you a question, Stag Party? It sounds like you're naming the cast from, like, the the Magnificent Seven or Unforgiven. With these names, it's like something out of the wild, wild west. Or the Hateful Eight. Coates. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I got you. I can follow that. Can't think of Eli, anything. Jesse James. Um, all right, cool. Browns, they're going to lose. No question about it. And hopefully they actually, instead of me, hopefully I want them to take take one of these great quarterbacks. They keep trading out of it. They keep doing it. There, there's not one worth it, so they're going to trade out. Well, that Watson, you, you, that you, Watson guy's saying, not worth it. I, I Hold on a second. You're saying that the Browns are going to lose. This is a game that the Browns end up winning. Just because it's so stupid and ridiculous that they need to lose this game that they're not going to lose this game. <laughs> that, that look, because you're going up against Landry Jones, because you're not having to face a Le'Veon Bell, a Big Ben, and, and an Antonio Brown, now all of a sudden the playing field gets equaled. And I, I, I look at, you know, Fitzgerald Toussaint is the guy that I really want to start if I'm going to start any uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. But this is going to be one of those stupid games because you want to know why it's going to be a Cleveland Brown game? Not because of anything the Cleveland Brown offense does. It's going to be a stupid Landry Jones interception and then a stupid Landry Jones fumble that leads to two stupid easy scores, maybe one by the defense or a, a short rushing touchdown for Crowell. I, I'm, sen- I'm sensing a, a bitch slap to the Browns management and, and t- entire team. Once they win this game and lose out on the first pick overall of the Niners, let's go over to the Steelers. Or have we already? They're sitting. Already did. We're done. Yeah, they're sitting. They're sitting. Everyone. So let's move on um, and head over to the next game. Before we do so, uh, let's listen to this from our sponsors. All right, the Cowboys are going to be playing the Eagles. And as we know, the Cowboys have already secured their um, home field advantage, number one overall slot in the NFC throughout the playoffs. Ugh, didn't They kind of had already had this situation last week. Uh, Zeke got a lot of action. Dak played the whole game. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think they're going to maybe start them all. Maybe they play a couple series, and then it's Sitzville. Uh, what do you got? Uh, you go first, Deanie, and then let Stag Party roll it out. So the thing that's interesting is that Jason Garrett uh, out there in the media is saying we're gonna we're gonna play everyone, or everyone's gonna practice like they're playing. We're not we're not gonna be resting anybody. I agree with you, D Rex. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. So I think everyone probably starts. Uh, the way that I look at it is, you know, 
Ezekiel Elliott, why you would want to play him that much, I don't know. I don't think he, he shouldn't play more than a series or two at most. Um, Dak Prescott, I could maybe see playing through the first half at most. Uh, but I, even that, I, I would, I, I don't know, why wouldn't you want to just get Tony Romo some action and get him warmed up? Des Bryant does not need to be out there. Let all the other guys play. You know, a Cole Beasley can play the whole game. That's okay. I don't think you're going to necessarily need to pull him out. So, uh, but let Alfred Morris go. Let Tony Romo go. Let let it let let it be the Bryce Butler show. Let, let's. I, I don't I don't know why you would at this point risk everything with these young guys. Well, first off, that that Cole Beasley was white on white hate. So just yeah. so you know, uh, not not a fan of that uh, stag party. I won't cut you off. You were going to say how basically. What's his name? Mr. Fragile isn't even going to play. Who's going to play once uh, Dak is done with this series or two? Yeah, it's basically Mark Sanchez. They're going to have Tony Romo inactive here. They're also probably going to have uh, Alfred Morris inactive uh, like they have the last couple weeks. It's going to be Darren McFadden as the backup. He's proven that he's the guy they like more than Alfred Morris. So uh, it's probably going to be him. Maybe they could find a way to get Morris on the roster as well. Uh, just by resting a guy like Smith because he hit, suffered a knee injury. The thing is, like, Ezekiel had 12 carries last week. He didn't really play all that much. Uh, he wasn't heavily, heavily involved. He just chunk yardaged the Lions for, like, 55 yards a couple different times. So I, I like Ezekiel Elliott in the first two drives, may, maybe three drives to where he's out there. But if you're looking at playing him, he he could put up like fifty yards in a score. I think he's like an interesting RB two if you own him. I I think he's sort of a hard sit. Um, like I, I still think he could have a productive fantasy day on just a limited number of series to where they really just protect Dak more than they protect Ezekiel. Uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, it's completely interesting. But yeah, I'm not gonna play a Jason Witten. Des Bryant, I think, could also be. You know, a wide receiver three just because he has that touchdown upside. But, yeah, he's going to be tough to beat. But uh, I, I don't believe, think that, you, you know, they're going to get Elliott that rookie rushing record by Dickerson or anything that like crazy like that. That makes sense. Can you believe how few uh, – well, he's right now he's 20 at the wide receiver, but he's only got 50 catches on the season, Des Bryant. That's unbelievable. Well, how many games did he um, So the only – he missed. He's played twelve games, so he's missed uh, three as right now. Three, yeah, three uh, three as right now. Yeah, um, it's actually kind of impressive. He finished top twenty, but he's he's kind of he's cooled off. You can't be too psyched about him heading into next year. Like we were Desbians all last off season, uh, keeping him in the top top five. He's just proven he's he's just not consistent enough. Go ahead, dude. Yeah, but how 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 could you not like him going into next season? At least for being where he's going to fall, you're not going to have to pay up for him next year. You you're going to get the benefit. Probably still a second round pick. But well, maybe still, but he'll probably be a later second round pick. And at the same time, I'll take Des. Look what he did this last week. He gave anyone that was in week sixteen. He won the championship for my buddy who has been playing for fifteen years in this league and never won, and finally got his first championship. So congrats, Healy! You, you finally broke the, uh, the the mule on your on your back. I think he's been in like five leagues for fifteen years. It's his first championship. So uh, <laughs> Des Bryant with the three touchdowns and the, and the nice. touchdown. So. Uh, Look, 
there'll be a lot of more play action. Dak in his second year is going to be better. Who else do they have out there that's really going to be a competition for him? Jason Witten's uh, at the tail end of his career. So, no, I like Des next year. Cool. Um, Bryce Butler, good play this week in uh, in uh, any uh, DFS leagues. You guys like him? Enough. I think he gets a lot of work from Mark Sanchez. I think he'll be out there a lot. He's the replacement for Dez as the most targeted receiver. I also think Cole Beasley's a guy that they might sit. Uh, they like what he brings to this offense. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Williams might be still out there with that second unit. He's been playing better as of late, and he's a guy looking forward to next year that could you know, leave and become a more featured option uh, in another pass game. So he's going to be somebody inter- interesting to follow. Alvin Harper, good luck with Tampa that. Bay. <laughs> Not even that good. Not even that good. Yeah, Alvin Harper. Al, yeah, Alvin Harper was good. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. Anyway, quick question to give some um, pontificating into next season. Ezekiel Elliott, all off season, heading in next year. Is he the number one pick overall in next year's drafts? No. What? You're not putting him there. No, no chance. Who's the number one pick in next year's draft snag? Uh, Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson. They're just so much better as receivers. Like, yeah. it, it, it doesn't make sense to have Ezekiel ahead of those guys if they're not going to use him in the passing game. Well, what about what are the odds of Le'Veon Bell smoking dope this offseason and getting caught for the third time in four years? Hi. <laughs> you won? <laughs> Real high. He doesn't only like smoking with a guy named Blount. Uh, he likes smoking with everyone, and he likes smoking blunts. But, damn, he's good. Anyway, let's go to the Eagles. Uh, great news, great news. Um, Wentz, Sylvania, today gave his offensive lineman shotguns. Uh, that's probably going to end uh, well. Um, last time I remember heading into their bye week in, what, week four, Wentz shot, uh, posted a picture of himself on Instagram and um, Facebook of him that he killed a buck. And ever since that picture is posted, he and that team has sucked. So his, um, I don't think his hunting prowess is helping out his quarterbacking whatsoever. Anyway, that's my anti-NRA mo- moment for the show. Um, I'll let you go. <laughs> I mean, as, as, as a lot of listeners press, press stop. <laughs> <laughs> Look Looking. Aiming their shotguns at you right now. It's happened. So looking at uh, sort of how it happens with Philadelphia, I mean, Ryan Matthews is on IR now with the herniated disc. He could be somewhere else next season. They they need a lot of help at the wide receiver position. Jordan Matthews is, you know, more of a two-possession guy rather than a game-breaker. So they're still going to be looking for that guy. Zach Ertz has shown that he's more than capable. They already sort of re-signed him, so he'll be a centerpiece of this offense. Um, and if he actually gets to start a season healthy and, and not just have a preseason injury like every goddamn year, it, it could be good things for him. Uh, the rest of the guys... You know, Nelson Aguilar, you know, nothing he really needs to improve. He's been pro football focuses, worst graded receiver over the last two years and each of the last two years. Uh, Dorio Green Beckham may be in offseason, but he's never going to be more than a three uh, until we see more growth out of him. He's just too inconsistent right now. Uh, so they're going to add somebody in the draft. 
But, you know, they paid a price to get Wentz, so it's going to take them a while to get a team around him. But, yeah, I don't know. Sproles is probably the best play this week. Uh, they don't really have another running back on their roster right now. They're probably going to have to bring somebody up from the practice squad to play complementary role. But I think it's Sproles, Ertz, and Matthews. I don't think you play Wentz. But th- this could be a sneaky matchup because you could be without a lot of the Dallas Cowboys' best plays on defense. Yeah, I, I agree. But the other thing that when I look to next year, I think you have to realize that they are going to – spend a lot to get Wentz a real weapon. Um, you know, Jordan Matthews, for as much as, as, as we want to talk about how nice he is, he's not that nice. He, he's giving you, he's basically a nice second banana. He needs to have somebody else that's a real dominator for him to be more special. He does not have crazy skills to be able to just, you know, open up coverage and things for himself and to, and to create space in the offense for Wentz. Wentz needs a real game play, uh, changer, and I think that they're going to have to go after that in the draft. And so, you know, you look at a team, when you draft a quarterback number one, um, as they did in the second overall pick this year, expect them with their higher draft pick this next coming this coming year that they're going to go after a wide receiver potentially, I would say, with the first pick and maybe with their third-round pick as well. They don't. Beanie, they don't have them. They gave them all up to get them. Ah, shit, that's they right. They gave up a lion's share to get one. That's right. That's what that's what Stag was kind of alluding to at the very beginning, to get the guy that gave up so much well, that it's going to be hard to surround them with talent. So they're going to have to go out and, and – Yeah, they're going to – basically they're saying – I wouldn't be surprised if, if Deshaun Jackson goes back to – Philly is what I'm hearing rumblings of. But, yeah, they're going to have to do free agency. And people will want to go there because the team's actually got a lot of upside. But it's not. It's going to be tough for them to do it because they don't have the high draft picks for the next couple of years. Well, but the, the one thing that I'll tell you, though, is is look for the, the talks. Who knows what the Bears are going to do with Alshon Jeffrey, right? And, you know, there was talk with the Eagles in, in leading up at the, uh, the trade deadline that they were looking for Alshon Jeffrey. So maybe there's – I don't know if there's ever been like a sign in type trade that it's ever happened in the NFL before, you know, obviously we know what happens to the NBA all the time. I don't think it can happen in the NFL, but at the same time, maybe it's one of these things where they're, they have to franchise him. And then once he's under franchise tag again, then they can trade him at that point in time. And maybe they work out whatever the parameters of that deal will be with him under the higher paid franchise tag. Probably means Philadelphia has to pay less, but the bears at least can get something for him. Take him. What do you got, Stags? And then let's roll on to the next game. I, I think Alshon's going to be too expensive for them. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. If the Bears franchise him, I don't know if they can end up affording him. Uh, I, I, I really need to see Philly make some moves next season before I take this offense a little bit more seriously for fantasy. It's going to be one to monitor heavily, heavily in the offseason because I like the quarterback enough and I like the coaching staff enough, and I think this offensive line could be good enough. Uh, but the rest of the players, there's just a lot of them, and none have really separated themselves. And I agree with you. Ryan Matthews will not be on this team next year. He'll, they, there's just too much injury happening there. He looks great at moments, but it's the same thing in his whole career. You just can't count on him. 
uh, Ertz, we had a question on Twitter yesterday or today saying, uh, the way he got hot and the way he's teaming up, is he? Uh, can he be a tight end number one? Can he be a high guy? No, he just can't. He just doesn't see the consistency. I love Ertz more than anyone on the show. I, I've always thought he was going to come in and do his thing every year. I mean, I didn't draft him this year, but the past two years I went high on him, every, and he just burns you. He gets hot going on, but there's something about him. He's just he just can't. He's he's not an early starter. I don't know. He's just well, like, he's been hurt every preseason. Whatever it is, that's it. That's included, but it just. I'm st- I've stayed away this year, and I'm happy I did. I don't care what he's done the last four weeks. Uh, but um, So that, that's what I say there. Eagles, they need to do a lot in free agency. I think we all agree there. But the make, they have the makings of a good team. So hopefully, I wish them well. Uh, you know, I, I really do. Let's move on to the next game, and that's going to be the Bills at the Jets. Obviously, the big news. Uh, I'm going to start this off with uh, something I'm reading right now, and it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a haiku uh, for Rex Ryan and uh, or the Ryans let's say Rex Ryan's fired riding off into sunsets with his twin bro Rob alright that's the Rex Ryan haiku for the show um, good news for them he'll never be a head coach uh, in the NFL again I don't think he'll probably be like a D2 head coach uh, funny stuff going around on the interwebs and Twitter today with him driving off after he got canned in his um, in his uh, Bills themed uh, what do you call that even is that just is that a uh, is that a wrap job I don't think you can really I think he got his car wrapped that it looks kind of like a sol- one of those solo cups that are really weird in, in a Bills colors sort of Ford truck but he cruised off and. Hit, it rode off into the sunset, two failed seasons. He's got a losing record in, throughout his career in the NFL. <sighs> but the bummer about the whole thing is they, they, they brought in their interim head coach and they just threw him out into the wolves today, or yet today in the press conference, talking about how they're going to sit Tyrod Taylor and they're going to end up, uh, you know, they're going to play EJ Emanuel and it's a business decision. This team, this team, this franchise might be more screwed overall than even the Browns are. Um, they, they just are, I just do not like the way uh, they, they're running their whole operation. Go on. I don't know. It just seems so weird. Everything they do just seems so weird, and they actually have a lot of talented pieces in, in place. Yeah, I, I don't think this is Rex Ryan's fault at all. I mean, we look at it, and you got to look at the GM, Doug Whaley, there. Whaley, yeah. He's the guy at fault, like, and he gets to hire the new head coach, um, and, and this just doesn't seem like a good move to me. Everything he's done, you know, paying up to get Sammy Watkins, and now this, how they restructured this Taylor deal to where Tyrod could just pretty much up and leave if they don't want to guarantee him this money, and he's been their best quarterback over the last 15, 20 years. That There's nothing about... You know, any of the moves that he's made, except for pretty much taking Shady for free, um, that that inspire you a lot of confidence. And, yeah, he's going to blame Rex, but I think Rex did a good job coaching that team and and handling all the misfit toys that he had. Um, And you look at, there's a couple things this year that if they gone just a little bit differently, you know, this is a team on the cusp of playoffs. But, yeah, if he didn't bring in Rob Ryan and have him be the defensive coordinator and just sort of left his guys there this season, I, I think he doesn't get canned. 
But it, Rob Ryan's sort of the scapegoat around the NFL, who might be like the worst defensive coordinator in football. Uh, you know, if he's involved, it's just not going to go well, and it's your brother, so you got to go too. Am I wrong, or did the Brown, or the Bills? Sorry, I I think of them likely the Browns. Did the Bills let up three two hundred yard rushing games this season? Two against Jay Ajayi and one against uh, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. <laughs> three two hundred yard rushing games by individuals. That has got to be a record. Rob Ryan. There you have it. Wasn't he the defensive coordinator last year for the worst defense we could ever remember? The, the Saints. New Orleans Saints. That, that's what I was going to say. Yep, he's bad. This was but, coming on the heels of, of that performance where that defense gave up, what was it, 45 passing touchdowns last year, which was just far and away about like 10 touchdowns more than any other team. Yeah, not good. Um, all right, well, let's talk about – they're sitting Taylor. One thing I will say that you, I know you love your Taylor Stags, and I, I don't disagree with you that they've had a futile situation at that position for a while. But there is some serious regression in Tyrod Taylor this season, and he did not, even for your standards, I hope you'll admit, did not reach where you thought he would. Where um, do you think he is in QB ranks right now? Uh, you, I can look real quickly. Off the top of my head, I would say he's 15. Wrong. Tyrod seven. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like he just does it every week and he does it with his legs. He's the leading rusher uh, among quarterbacks. He had his best passing performance and, and now they're going to, he just did it for fantasy. It might not have looked great. And you got to remember the guys he was throwing to most of the season. So hopefully uh, he- I'm surprised he was seven, but let's be honest. Let's three weeks ago. Yeah. He was he he had a, he he came on strong the last three weeks. I mean, he was top ago, 10 then talked, Was he? I yeah. think we talked about it a while ago. He's like, like he's been top ten pretty much all season, and he started off slow. Like he was good for fantasy purposes, uh, okay. and you just hope you can go, you can go somewhere to, to that's going to surround him with weapons, and that's all I can hope for him. Like a lot of people are saying, Tyrod might be gone, and he could end up in Cleveland, and I like that. Like. Getting Hugh Jackson and a you know good offensive mind as a head coach, and having you know numerous playmakers on the outside, uh, and having a strong running game, and having a coach that's going to be committed to him, rather than a defensive style guy could be good. But let's talk. Let's not talk about Tyrod until we see where he ends up or if they retain him. But yeah, he's better for fantasy than you're ever going to expect. He just needs one weapon, and he barely had Sammy Watkins this year. Charles Clay, let's talk about Charles Clay. This guy could have been a league winner for you over the last three weeks. Each have been double-digit fantasy performances in standard leagues. Caught two touchdowns last week. Just highly, highly involved. He is better when Watkins is in the lineup. You can see splits when he's the number one weapon. Um, You see splits when he's the number one weapon and how it just affects him and how he really can't do it without other guys around him. So that's something I'm interested in seeing if they can ever keep Sammy Watkins healthy. Watkins, we saw that touchdown on the beautiful deep ball last week, but we haven't really seen a ton of rapport between Manuel and Sammy Watkins in the past. We're going to need to see that corrected on the field, but you got to get a little bit of read on Manuel because he could be gone somewhere else, you know, here soon. Um, Sean McCoy's locked in, and I think you play that dude and, just because he's going for you know some new career highs in rushing and things along those lines, 
I think he's locked in, and Gillislee's a threat to Vulture, but I don't know if this offense is going to you know, perform at a high level without Tyrod Taylor in there. I'm not going to – Interesting. I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I'm not going to trust a Mike Gillislee this week as the Vulture against the Jet defense. That at least against – I know I know it's a, it's a horrible team. I know that they've basically packed everything in, but – Still, if I want to look for the vulture thing, it's like a, it was better when he was playing the Browns than it is when you're playing the Jets. Um, you know, and again, pride game. I don't know. The Jets don't really have much pride, so <laughs> go with it. Uh, we're sorry about that, PK Ripper. We know their fans do. We love you. Um, Houdini left. I was going to ask him, what was he just doing? Was he petting his dog? Probably. Like he was giving himself the Heimlich. Yeah, he was rubbing the furry wall. Let's flip over to the Jets. I, I was, what was going I was, on over I was, there? I was, hello, I was saying hello to the little pupster. What do you want me to do? You know, I mean, hey, dog needs a little bit of love. He's been, he's been, quiet, got, he's been quiet, you know. I haven't went to, I, he's been quiet, you know. Amen, amen. D, uh, D's sleeping. I just didn't know what was going on. You were like, oh, oh, I don't know if you were on your mat praying or what. Um, <laughs> let's go on to the jet side of the ball. Yeah. With the Jets, it looks like they're going to go back to Fitzpatrick. I, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, that sort of kills Robbie Anderson. It's, you know, Brandon Marshall hasn't been there all season, so he's dead for all intents and purposes. Uh, looking at the running back situation, the only real guy you want to play is Bilal Powell, but he's missing practices today. Matt Forte's 16 yards away, uh, 16 scrimmage yards away from his, what, like ninth straight or sixth straight, uh, eleven hundred yard from scrimmage season. He'd be just the fifth player to do so. I think it's ninth straight. So, the, so he's got a little bit to play for. But other than that, I don't know if I want anything to do with the Jets. No matter how bad they are against the run game, we'll see if Bilal Powell can get back there and be completely healthy. Okay. Um, anything? Let's. Can we move on? Let's just not talk about this team. One question, Houdini. We'll make it quick, but is Brandon Marshall going to be on that team next year? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how they keep him on that team next year. There, there's, you're a young team that is not going anywhere. You're on the rebuild uh, with, with the problems he has with Sheldon Richardson, with everything else. No, he needs to be gone. Cancer somebody else. What do you think, Stags? It's either him or Richardson or, or Wilkerson. I don't remember which one it was. It's one of those guys. But they're saying they could be getting rid of uh, one of those defensive linemen anyways because Leonard Williams looks to be the best of the bunch. They can't afford sort of all three in the future, so one of those guys is likely gone. But, yeah, Brandon Marshall has a two-year shelf life, and he's been there for two years. There you go. Exactly. Um well, he might that NFL show that he's got on Showtime or whatever inside the NFL. It might be a full time gig from now on. Um, all right, let's go on to the next game. But before we do so, let's um, pay for some of those Christmas gifts that I didn't buy for any of my family members or any of my partners at Pyro. The Bears at the Vikings. Uh, some good news with the Bears. The season's almost over. The bad news, uh, just when we were kind of getting a little bit excited about Barkley, who, check out how hot his girlfriend is. Smoke show. Um, might be his wife, actually. Uh, he had five interceptions this week, four or something the, last, the previous two weeks. 
he looks great. I, I I was I was excited to to play with it, but he obviously that team's just too bad, and when they've got to just throw it, throw it, throw it, he just couldn't get it done. So. We're looking for a quarterback. There's no question about it. Let's talk about the Bears. Um, I'll quickly, I'm not going to say anything else after the Bears talk here, but Fox actually made a good point, and I read a good article today on, God, what was that uh, magazine, 21 Up or something, some sh- one of those uh, Bears blogs, on just how close this team actually is to being pretty good and valuable. Their offense was, and their defense, I think their defense was 13th and their off- offense was 18th. Yeah, well, um, they're right there. They actually, for how t- hard it is to watch them and how bad they were this year, it's kind of like what Stag said earlier about Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills. There was just there was just a probably you know twenty plays out there throughout the season, and they could have been a, in a much better place. So the Bears are closer to being rele- relevance than than we give them credit for. Now, I, I know the stand that you're talking about, D-Rex, when you're talking about the 18th or whatever in, in offense, it's in yardage. Because the other thing, though, is that they were one of the lowest teams in the league. It was the bottom two or three in points per game, which I think was like at 18.3 points per game or something like that. I think it was like eighth in total offense or, or something like that, 18.3 total points per game. So it's not translating. You're you're getting a lot of those garbage yards. You're getting a lot of those Blake Bortle-type performances you're not getting the true <laughs> substance yep. uh, performances but Jordan Howard is a bright spot going forward but you still got to be worried now you got Kyle Long is going into after a second major knee surgery that he's going under Josh Sitton is not getting any younger at least you got Cody Whitehair who you like but Hironis Grisou is basically almost finding his way out of this offense you don't have a legitimate tackle on either side so there is a lot of pieces that are major pieces that you still need and the defense still needs a lot of work although it's a hell of a lot better and Leonard Floyd did show some flashes this year yeah uh, it's an interesting team to pay attention to but they need they have needs at some of the most important positions in football you're gonna need two tackles you're gonna need a wide receiver if you let Alshon Jeffrey go you're going to need a quarterback, and then you're going to need a lot of help in the defensive backfield. So uh, they're, they're going to need a lot of pieces no matter how you look at it. Looking at this week, Jordan Howard's an excellent play against Minnesota. He absolutely gashed them the last time they played. Uh, I look for him to be heavily involved. And looking at next year, he's like a back-end RB1, I think. Uh, yep. Strong RB2 probably. I, I'd rather have him at that price than – than an RB1 price, but we'll see how it shakes out. I, I I know there's some people that are saying he could be, you know, a second or third round pick. That might be a little bit too rich for my blood just because I don't trust the Bears. But, yeah, we'll see how that sort of shakes out. Alshon, he's interesting this week, although he should get a lot of Xavier Rhodes. They could move him around. I think Cameron Meredith is probably a better play in DFS than Alshon Jeffrey if you're looking to go that route. Uh, Daniel Brown at tight end, it looks like he could be a backup in the league for a while, sort of backup receiving type tight end. But there's no answer there. They're going to need to add a playmaker at that position. Luckily, the draft is loaded with tight ends this year. So hopefully they grab one of those guys in the first you know, three rounds. But it, it's all going to come down to getting pieces on, at very important positions that's going to be tough to do. So you know, looking forward, there, there's a lot 
of bright spots, but there's also a lot of major weaknesses. You need to realize that it is still a growing process and a rebuilding process. And when they initially said it was a three-year building rebuilding process, it was really more like the John McKay five-year plan. Uh, you know, especially when you realize how empty the cupboard was at defense when Vic Fangio got took over, and he even said so. He goes. When we got here, we didn't even have a defense, and we didn't have the right guys for a 4-3 defense, yet alone have the right guys for a 3-4 defense. So <laughs> that's where the Bears are. They're still rebuilding, but you have bright spots, so I, I like that going forward. I, I still think I kind of I'm, would be happier to be where I am as a Bear fan than to be a Viking fan where everything seemed like it was on the cusp of happening, and now you actually seem to be on the cusp of everything falling apart. And where's Teddy Bridgewater going to be next year? There's, a, there's so many questions surrounding the Vikings that I don't know that I would want to be in their situation at all. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I still think Sam Bradford's likely to be their starting quarterback, at least for some time next season. Uh, so that that's going to be interesting. Uh, looking at the rest of their offense, Adrian Peterson is going to be you know, gone. I don't think he's going to remain uh, part of that offense anymore. So they're going to have to add somebody to a Jarek McKinnon because they, they like him, but I think they like him in a change of pace role. So I think they're going to be a team drafting a, uh, an RB in, in the middle rounds here. They don't have, you know, a high draft pick either uh, with the Bradford trade. So looking at this offense, well, Stephon yeah. Diggs and Adam Thielen, a- Adam Thielen just you know, ruin if you were on the other side, he, he was potentially a league winner for you. I know he destroyed me in a fantasy sports writers association league, uh, pretty much all by his lonesome after posting a zero the week before, before getting hurt. He just went off. So I, I like both Thielen and Diggs. They're both, you know, in the 900 yard range. So the, could they both get a, over a thousand yards, uh, you know, going up against his Bears secondary? I think that's interesting. I, I like it. Uh, and Thielen starts to remind me of a Jordy Nelson type of guy. He's got he's got those hands and he's got the feet, and, and it's just interesting to what he could do going forward. Kyle Rudolph's a nice piece, but they need to fix this offensive line and you know add another running back in the middle rounds. And this offense could have some juice because we know how good their defense can be when healthy. Well, Stags, here's the question that I have for you is, you know, with a Thielen, with, with these guys that we're starting to see, uh, you know, the new emergence of, of different types of receivers who are scoring points, Cole Beasley, uh, Jamison Crowder, um, these type of receivers, Adam Humphreys, are, you know, is Thielen maybe the best of the bunch now? Is he maybe not as much as one of those guys because – because uh, he does play a, a lot more on the outside. Uh, but at the same time, just some of these guys that are the underappreciated, hardworking receivers, that do you, which ones do you think of all those ones that I just mentioned have the best upside or have the most skills to really be continue to put up? Because, like, in, in one of my in my main league where it's, like, with a whole bunch of utility yards as well, but Jamison Crowder was the number eight scoring receiver on the year in my league. Yeah, I, I get you there. I'm. I think Thielen's the best of the bunch. Uh, when you can play on the outside, and when you just have that rapport with the quarterback, um, and, and you've got sort of 
you got hands, so you're going to be reliable. You got enough speed to make things happen after the catch, as well as beat people vertically down the field. And you just, you've got great footwork. I think that's the best of the bunch. Uh, so looking ahead, I, I like Thielen a lot, but also Jamison Crowder's in a more passy heavy offense, so volume's going to be there. So I think a lot of that is going to depend on what pieces are added around. But I think Adam Thielen's got a bright future. I agree, and I think there's the, the crazy thing about it is Pro Bowler uh, shouldn't have been, in my opinion, but Amari Cooper, uh, he, Thielen's only got 10 points less than him in fantasy on the season, and I think you tweeted out in the last couple of days, Stag Party, just the fact that they're, like, basically from about wide receiver 12 through about wide receiver 35, all of these guys, like, literally all of the wide receivers in that bunch are about 20, 25 points within each other. There's one nice game throughout the season that just uh, could just catapult the guy into the next level. It's, it's, it's crazy. So at the wide receiver position this year, you got to be thinking and you got to be worried. I, I'm not that no RB uh, situation. is just, it kind of is not a, is a no go for me uh, heading into the next year, just because there's your top guys then even the lower, you know, the five to ten guys are, are, aren't incredible. And then, honestly, the next 20 wide receivers are all within 20 points of one another. The thing is, if you wanted one of those top five guys, they were all drafted among the you know, top 10 or so receivers. So they were all drafted in the first three rounds. Yeah. Uh, and then when you look at, you know, running backs – a lot of the guys who were up there were drafted in the first two rounds, but then you look a little bit deeper, you can get the Jordan Howards, uh, the Theo Riddick, who was pretty good for a while, uh, and just a, a number of players. So I think it's got some merits. If you want an elite wide receiver, you've got to pay up to get it. If you want an elite running back, you got to pay up to get it. And then there will be guys who emerge at both positions. So, you know, knowing what you need, if everybody in your draft's going to draft running backs, then yeah, you can draft that wide receiver and look to pick up more wide receivers on the waiver wire while they're looking for running backs and sort of vice versa. I, I just want to make a, a great point, though, too, uh, about why Thielen will also carry that cachet going into next year. And, and part of that is what's around him. Stephon Diggs is the other receiver that is the main receiver, and that's the one that gives him the opportunity to do to make the plays that he makes. But outside of outside of that, there's you have Cordero Patterson, who is not a true wide receiver, who does not know how to run routes, who cannot be trusted. You have you know they're trying to find ways to get him the ball. Uh, you you really don't have you had uh, what Jarius Wright who was who was hurt. You have you just. Guys who have just not been able to put anything together, Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson is not the guy that's going to be the answer. So Thielen has a clear path. And that's the other thing that I really like about it is when you get guys that have that talent and have a clear path. The thing is, we don't know how clear that path will be because they just spent a first-round pick on Laquan Treadwell. They're going to need to mix him in. Even if he's a bust, he's got to be out there for something. They've got to see what they got in him eventually. So the path could get a little bit murkier. But but nice. do you really All see? Right. Good, 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 good stuff, guys. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, do you, go ahead. I was gonna say, do you really see Laquan Treadwell? I think they kind of made the realization that, you know what? We don't need to see it. He's not as good as anybody else right now. He's not going to get on the playing field. So 
maybe he has potential, but for Thielen, I think that he he's done it now. He he's got the proven case on the field. He's got the the actual brag book that he has. All the Quan Treadwell has is what he did in college. Yeah. I'm hope I'm hoping that Treadwell can can potentially be worked in, and they they figure out how to make him a a, a weapon for him, including the digs and and Thielen action where. I don't think they've got a quarterback on the team that can distribute the ball that way um, currently. But Treadwell, I agree with Stagpart, is going to get opportunities next year. I think they just think he was a little green this year, and uh, they're not going to write him off yet. So hopefully they can figure out a way to use the three of them. And Treadwell's a a stud. I don't think he's going to be – he was a stud in college. It doesn't mean he's going to be a stud, in, but he, he he's good. I mean, seeing that guy play, I, I'm not too worried about him. I feel like he he's going to be just he's going to be fine. So what do you, what do you got? Last parting word, Stags, and let's let's move on to the next game. Yeah, I mean, I think Bradford is about to you know potentially break a record for completion percentage you know, in a season. So if he does that, he's shown the ability to get the ball out of his hand. So I, I think they could have the quarterback if they could put, you know, an offensive line in front of him. Because we see whenever there's pressure around Bradford, he really struggles. But I think he's a guy who can get the ball to his playmakers and let them make plays. Uh, I think that's your only hope if you're a Vikings fan on, on offense. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, let's go on to the next game, and that's the Jaguars at the Colts. Um <laughs> The news today is that uh, um, what's his name from um, the New York Giants? Uh, sorry, I'm spacing that the coach is interviewing for the head coaching job. Coughlin? Yeah, Coughlin. Sorry, the old man. Jeez, Louise, they're hiring him, and I like him because actually this team just needs a, 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 a just an ass whooper, someone that doesn't give a shit and just gonna. And he, he's, he's actually a player's coach to a degree, but he's tough love guy. And I think that's exactly what the team needs after a Gus Bradley experiment, who's a, a, a player's coach and a guy's guy. And I, I think he just wasn't able to really come down hard enough. So whatever they bring in, Deanie, they need to bring in a guy that's going to be like running practice like it's a game, busting chops, not keeping it easy, not keeping it light. And I think that's what uh, Tommy Oldbags Coughlin brings to the table. Wasn't Tom Coughlin the first coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he was. That but, He was the first coach of their franchise history. <laughs> that would be awesome to bring him back and try to revive the history. Because remember, he was the one that, uh, back when he was there, uh, had the exciting Mark Brunel, and that what was it was that the nineteen ninety five season with the, them and Carolina both getting to the uh, the championship games in their second seasons. So uh, you know, I, I I agree that they need some some uh, some toughening up and whatever, but I don't know that you need to go back to the guy that that was your first coach. Benjamin Benjamin Button's coach. You don't think it works that way? You think Dom <laughs> Capers is going to replace uh, Riverboat Ron uh, down in uh, in Carolina? Um, anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, uh, quick quick stats. Allen Robinson's not going to uh, sign with that team. He's 
got 800 yards. Uh, he's just not going to get over the 1,000-yard mark. It's incredible how many targets he has, too. 138 targets on the season. That is a lot of targets. That's top seven targets. And just not in the catch. The catch rate there is just ridiculous. So 68 catches, 800 yards, six TDs, 116 fantasy points. Good riddance. That running back situation is god awful. Is Bortles got the gig? Are they going to the next year's tag party? You talk. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about this uh, side of the ball at all until we get to the Colts. All right. So looking at Blake Bortles, he's got the job for next year. He'll be entering the fourth year in the league. They really got to figure out, you know, if they want to pick up a fifth-year option on him or if they want to, you know, look into extending him in the future if he's really going to be the face of that franchise, be the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Allen Robinson, awesome last week, got involved against Tennessee, heavily, heavily involved uh, to where he, you know, caught a, a ton of passes, you know, caught a touchdown pass, was just awesome last week. We'll see if that can continue against an Indianapolis secondary that, that has been bad this season. Um, definitely like Allen Robinson this week. I like Marquise Lee this week. I I just think this is an offense that has to play for something. And I think Doug Marone, you know, is, is a, sort of a quarterback guru to where they need him to work with um, everything. You know, it's going to be good for them. You know, going forward uh, to get some going on, and maybe Doug Marone is the guy they look to after the season. Chris Ivory should now have the backfield to himself. No T.J. Yeldon, uh, Denard Robinson looks out, so it's going to be a lot of you know Chris Ivory and Corey Grant. Uh, yeah, but I, I, Ivory's a decent start against Indianapolis. I don't know how much work Grant's going to get, but I, I think. I'll, all the Jaguars are in play just because they need to put on good offensive showings for the future for that team. Great point. That's true. That's true. They really, it's a dress. It's a rehearsal for the, the, the next guard. Uh, so good point. Let's go on to the other side of the ball. And that is going to be the Colts. <sighs> go for it. <sighs> They're a disappointment. Bummed out. I mean, they were pretty good this year. I can't really complain about the Colts. Looking at Andrew Luck's numbers, you know, he's a top five QB despite missing a game this season. You know, Gore's probably likely to have another 1,000-yard season if he can just get a little bit done this week. I think he needs, what, sixteen or 36 yards to have another 1,000-yard season under his belt. But he signed a two-year deal a couple years ago. This is a team that could be looking for an upgrade at the running back position. Dante Moncrief has to be the most important, you know, most disappointing player in this offense to where everybody thought he was just going to come out and surpass, you know, T.Y. Hilton, but all he really did was catch touchdowns and never really put up any yardage. So Moncrief's a guy who's really going to have to take a step forward next season if we expect, you know, more from him. I'm not expecting a huge bump. Uh, I just think he's a red zone threat and not much more. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's one of the best, 10 best receivers in the league. And even when you know he's the only guy that can beat you, can beat you. I think this tight end group has a lot of upside going forward, but there's too many of them. Is it going to be Eric Swope, who's a pure receiving threat, 
who I think could be very, very involved in sort of that vertical passing game in the coming years. So he's somebody I like in Dynasty as an ad. And I think Jack Doyle might be the ex- at the expense of Jack Doyle. Uh, and Dwayne Allen's going to continue to be there as that blocker. Go for yeah. it, Dini. So one of the things that I, I just want to talk about Andrew Luck here because he, he's the guy that makes that stirs the drink, right, that gets everything done. And the, the thing that, that you, you look at is that why did he have a better second half of the season? Well, it's because starting in week nine, he was only sacked, and it was a total of one, two, three, four, Six games, he was sacked a total of uh, of six times, okay? And no sacks in his, in his last two games with a high of two sacks, uh, both in weeks 9 and 11. You go before that, he was sacked five times in a game, six times in a game, five times in a game, six times in a game. So <laughs> that offensive line finally started to shore itself up. And that that's a major you know reason why they were able to start getting more of those downfield passing plays that were going on you also had that resurgence of, of frank gore but i think that going into next year gore to me is is is, is the, the most durable guy i've ever seen he just doesn't seem to get old but you know that you need to find some other second hand in there and robert turbin is not that second hand so um i do like with what ty hilton has done and again if you look at this from a fantasy perspective going into next year it's still a high output fantasy team. And I, and I still, you know, with, with luck, with what he's doing with their ability, if they, and they just, they need to have a little bit more running in there to make that passing game even better. Well, I, the one thing I love about what you just said there is to me, that tells you that hopefully the team's coming together because they, they spent, they got, uh, I think three, pretty uh, higher-end uh, draft picks at, at, on their offensive line last year. The Colts, you know, they took an 18th pick. They took their center, Ryan Kelly, out of Alabama. Uh, I think in the third round, they took an offensive uh, tackle. Uh, same goes with um, – they grabbed another one in the fifth round. And they've spent some action on in the draft this year on the offensive line. So hopefully they're coming together. And that shows good sign for Andrew Luck in this offense going into the next year in the offseason. The, the only thing with that is they've got to get rid of this coaching staff. Because they, they need to straight up build around Andrew Luck, make him the centerpiece of this team rather than trying to do so many different things. They need to add a competent pass-catching running back who can also run, and that could just make this offense fly to you know new heights, uh, especially if they can get one or two more pieces on the offensive line. This could be a very this could be one of the best offensive units in football, but I, I don't know if I trust this coaching staff to make that happen after you know four or five years of attempting to do so. Do you like Grigson? Do you think he needs to go as well? <laughs> Yeah, he said this year, all he's been talking about this year is about, oh, when you give Luck that kind of money, you're going to have a hard time filling out. A, he's literally like, well, just giving himself an excuses built in on everything around Luck. He he needs to go. He's like, the, it's top down, the trickle down. Him, Chuck Strong, I agree with you. But Grigson, like everything I read from that guy, and every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, how the fuck did this guy get the gig? Got me. That's that. You see, he's not good. The the 
this organization just isn't good around Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck's the only one winning football games for them. So that's <laughs> all I got here. All right, let's move on. And Mutsky over there, Dini, as you as you cough your lungs out. Um, but you've been very healthy this show. It's considering <laughs> you, had a, you had a bad health going I'm on. I'm surprised so, that you heard the cough because I actually hit the mute button beforehand. There's obviously a, a second and a half delay on what is ever going on on my computer. So now I will know that I will hit the mute button and let it sit for two seconds before I cough because I was trying to keep that one off of the uh, of, of the podcast there. Sorry, boys. <laughs> There's definitely all good. There's definitely a delay on your end of it, but uh, I think we're we're all kind of understanding that and working with it the best. Um, amen, guys. Before we get to the next one, stag party or whichever one of you fellas, uh, Houdini, you doing uh, you doing the draft read? You got it pulled up? Not yet. <laughs> no. Well, while you're pulling it up, while you're pulling up the draft read, me and stag party will talk about Griggs. Hey, Griggs and Ryan Griggson. No, we won't. Like I hate that guy. He's like he's bad. There's been nothing that he's added to this team that has been exceptional. And that pick of Philip Dorsett, you know, two years ago when they could have drafted a tackle, looks even worse. Uh, oh, and and he's been shitting it so bad. Yeah, you know, yeah, he needs to step up. But I, I still think he has a chance to be a pretty good NFL player. But yeah, Moncrief. 307 yards and seven touchdowns. Also unlikely to play this week. Oh. All right. All right, Greens. All right. So we already know you love playing fantasy, so we know you'll love playing fantasy on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts, just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season-long league. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last just one day, and they take only minutes to complete. On draft, you can play for free, or better yet, hey, play for money. And get this, your chances of winning on draft are over 200% better than your chances of winning on DraftKings or FanDuel. Why is that? Because you get to play with your chump-ass friends. Uh, But we've been doing drafts all week, and I will tell you this. We did one before the show, and in this one with this Week 17 week, you know, it was the battle of do... You know, which 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 superstar do I want? Well, I want one that's going to play. It was Derrick Henry. He was the, the consensus go-to guy, and that was the, the pick that I was most happy with. So why don't you join us? When you download Draft, uh, be sure to enter the promo code PYRO to download. Just search, search D-R-A-F-T, all caps uh, uh, there, D-R-A-F-T, in the App Store, and it will come up first or go to playdraft.com remember to enter the promo code pyro that's call capitals p-y-r-o when you download so you get your 100% deposit bonus make sure you download draft now we will see you there cheesy radio voice complete completed so let's move on to the patriots uh at the dolphins this is an interesting game with a lot on the line uh basically the patriots could you know clinch home field advantage with a win miami you know it needs some things to go their way in order to move up to the five seed and moving up to the five seed them for them will be great because then you get the texans rather than the pittsburgh steelers on the road and i think there's one team you'd much rather play than the other so 
Miami's going to be playing for it. New England's going to be playing for it. When they asked Bill Belichick earlier this week, you know, how are you feeling about resting players this week? He's like, oh, I, I don't get that question. Why would I do that? So Tom Brady locked in as one of the best quarterback options this week. We saw Miami, you know, get torched by Tyrod Taylor last week. You know, all the running backs should be involved. LeGarrette Blunt's a threat to fall into the end zone at any time. Deion Lewis continues to get more and more rushing attempts as that change of pace back. And James White continues to be involved as the receiving back. So, you know, all three of them have a little bit of appeal, but, you know, Blunt's the one guy that really stands out. Julian Edelman, you know, strong play this week as usual, better in PPR than standard, just because... He's going to get a bunch of targets. We've seen that since Gronk has gone out, he's been the number one guy in that offense. Uh, uh, everyone else, um, you know, just sort of keep keeps on rolling on. Martellus Bennett scored a touchdown last week. They got a touchdown from a backup tight end. So, you know, looking forward, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, but I like all of the New England weapons here. There's nobody I'm really scared to play uh, on the rest of the side of the ball. You know, Malcolm Mitchell, I, I think he's got some interesting appeal. Chris Hogan's more of a, you know, boomer bust wide receiver five, in my opinion. Malcolm Mitchell's got a lot of appeal here uh, against Miami operating on the outside, especially if they're without, you know, uh, Byron Maxwell here again. They also, you know, put a safety on IR. So they're going to be without one of their starting free safeties after already, you know, losing one earlier in the year. So this passing game should be able to click. All right. Well, it looks like we lost Houdini to some some internet connections. Hopefully, we'll get back get him back in the mix. But for the moment, stag party, uh, you and I will rock this out. Let's go over to the Dolphin side of the ball. Uh, Tannehill obviously done. It's just a Matt Moore offense at this point. Uh, Ajay coming off his second 200-yard game of the season. Third. What do we got? Third. He's yeah. at three, three yeah, 200. That's remember. right. That's right. But Ryan Tannehill might not be done for the year. Ryan Tannehill could be back, you know, in playoff time, you know, depending on what really happens here. So, but right now it's going to be Matt Moore's team uh, for this week. I think, you know, Moore makes for an interesting play. But the Patriots have really started to step it up on defense over the last couple weeks here. Um, you know, just interesting, uh, just interesting plays all, all sort of around. Um, I, I like Matt Moore, you know, as an interesting add-on um, to this offense. I, I think he's got a lot of vertical to his game. Um, should be able to be very involved. Kenny Stills, you know, looks like a solid play. Um the rest of the team, you know, Devontae Parker had a big catch and run last week and what looked like nobody wanted to tackle him. Jarvis Landry was highly involved. So I, I like all the Miami pieces as well because we know they've got a lot of motivation. This is a team, you know, still playing hard for Adam Gase, and they're going to be heading into the playoffs with, with a lot to play for, and they need to be hot no matter if they're going to Houston if some things go right. Or if they, you know, they got to play well on offense to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no way around that. I agree. God, Gase. Remember we talked about this so many times. I wish he was the Chicago Bears head coach so badly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just wrapping it up with Jay Ajayi. He's got a shoulder issue. 
that they're sort of underplaying. They're saying that he could play this week. So I temper my expectations on him a little bit. Um, maybe they take it easier on him and go with more of a Damian Williams, Kenyon Drake sort of attack. And we saw Kenyon Drake make a huge play last week where he ran into the line, nothing was open, spins back around, and then just destroys defenders with his speed around the edge. Damian Williams has been good all season, so maybe it could be a little bit more of them after being J.H.I. so early. But uh, I think if you got here with the J.H.I., you should play him as a decent play. Uh, other than that, I'm I'm I I'm probably playing all everybody on the Dolphins. Kenny Stills is more of a boomer bust wide receiver five. This is a team I want to see more from in the future. I think they've got the makings of a very good offense. I think this is a team in the draft that can look for one of those you know top three round tight ends. You know, there's a guy out of Miami that made some plays today. Uh, maybe he ends up there, but there's a lot of good tight ends in this draft to where if they add a piece like that, this could be one of the better offenses should their quarterback, you know, put it all together and play up to, you know, the weapons that he has. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm looking out my window and Virginia, I'll let you, there's, there's something flying by in the distance and burning. I hope it's not something bad. Uh, go, Houdini. Well, ho- hopefully it's just a Chinese. Uh, exactly. Animal. I think it might be. I think it might be. All right. So the, one of those UFOs in the sky, there's been people downtown known to light those things up. But I before we get be. to the next game, because the next game is our first afternoon game, let, let's just say that it, ha- it has to take until week 17 for Houdini to be happy because we're going to have six games in the afternoon this week. I'll let one of you guys go. I, I, I just, I'm just excited about that. Nice. Yeah. yeah I, I think we can move on to this Kansas city, San Diego game. Um, Kansas city, they've still got a chance to win that division. Um, and, and that would just bump their seat up incredibly. Uh, especially with now the Raiders without Derek Carr for the rest of the season, maybe potentially up to the Super Bowl. They say that's going to be a long shot at that. But, yeah, the real question is, is Spencer Ware going to be back in this offense, or is he going to be banged up like he was with that rib injury last week? Uh, if he can get back, you know, he's a good play against San Diego. We saw uh, Isaiah Crowell score a couple touchdowns uh, against them last week. Other you know, Tyreek Hill hasn't caught a pass in two weeks, but they're using him out of the backfield, and he's just taking it to the house pretty much whenever he gets a chance to touch the ball. Uh, so he's an interesting boomer bust wide receiver three, but you got to know that he's got some zero goose egg, you know, potential to his game. So here's the question that I have about Tyreek Hill because it's 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 interesting for the people who are looking toward next year. You know, he's one of these guys that. You know, when you, when you think about it, is that is he really one of these gimmicky players? You know, is, is, is he be really a glorified Tavon Austin who just has been able to do a hell of a lot more than Tavon Austin was ever able to do? Um, I, I, it kind of feels that way because I, I don't look at him as being a guy that can consistently get open and be able to bust a, 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 a cornerback in coverage. Can't do an Alshon Jeffrey. You can't, you're not going to put him in a, in a jump contest with anybody. You're not going to be able to line him up and you really give him, you have to be gimmicky in order to get him the ball. At least his gimmicky, he's got Andy Reid to do it. Who's one of the more you know innovative offensive minds around. He knows how to get the ball in players' hands. 
Like, if Tavon Austin were in this, you know, scheme, I'd feel a lot better about him. But, yeah, I agree with you that if you draft him as a, you know, top 24 wide receiver next season because of where he finished this season, I think you're doing it wrong. He's got, he's going to have boom bust potential when you draft him. He's probably a guy I'm going to avoid in drafts. You know, Cordero Patterson from his rookie year is sort of a perfect example of this. Who got a lot of long rushing scores. He got a long receiving scores. Who had those return touchdowns. We've seen this archetype sort of blow up in our faces before with Cordero Patterson and Tavon Austin. So I'm not going to spend a high draft pick to get Tyreek Hill. But if I can get him at something I think is a decent value to where he's maybe a flex play for me, that's where I want to get him. Um, I don't know if the, I might be priced out of the market, and I'm I'm willing to accept that. So you know, long term, I, I think he's got some appeal. Just it's going to be very very volatile season to season. He's got to be breaking long touchdowns, but we know he's one of the fastest players in the league right now. To where if you want to draft him, I see the appeal. Uh, Jeremy Macklin in this matchup should get shadowed by uh, Hayward. He's been one of the best shadow corners in the league. It could be tough sledding for him again, you know, after that Denver defense last week. So uh, I'm tempering my expectations on playing him. Uh, Travis Kelsey is just bananas right now, so I, I can't complain about him. Alex Smith's an interesting streaming proposition. Just because so many quarterbacks are out of the lineup, and he's in a good spot with a lot to play for, um, that's my take on this game. But I'm excited about the Chiefs. I think they've got a pretty clear pecking order as we get towards next season. We just got to see what they're going to do with Jamal Charles if he's back, which is something I sort of doubt, or if you know Jamal Charles to the Colts next season can happen so all my wet dreams can come true. <laughs> oh, hey now. Hey now. This, I didn't know I didn't know we were gonna I didn't know we were gonna take uh take it this way. Um anyway, I was I wrote a note so everyone could read it, but no one could read it. Hey Houdini, <laughs> just so you know, there's actually um there's a little there's a little spot on Zencaster for chatting. Check oh, it out. Or maybe, here's the best part. The answer to your question is no, in the bedroom. Oh, she is? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 party zone out here, and it's and it's, uh, it's Beverly Hills uh, wives of uh, angry housewives in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. She have her headphones on, or how does she watch this? No, she got she got the volume out. The best part is my house. Um, I'm in one of those apartments. It's a long apartment, right? So Back it's not. Like, the, the, it, we are the two furthest ends of the of the apartment. There's probably a good. Got to be at least 40 feet, 50 feet between us, you know, before the door. And then, and then where she's at is like another 10 feet. So, you know, we're, we're good. We're good distance apart. Good. So you're not breaking your restraining order um, agreement right now. So that's good. Correct. Um, correct. I'm staying within legal limitations. Good. Good. All right. Let's go on to the charger side. And the news I read today is that Gates said he's, he, he feels like he's going to be back next year. Does that matter? Do they still try and get him a touchdown or two this week so that he can uh, tie Gonzalez's um, tight end record? Yeah, I mean, I don't like him against Kansas City. Kansas City is always one of the best teams at defending opposing tight ends. Houdini, I think they've allowed four touchdowns to the tight end position over the last two seasons. That's they are ridiculous. awesome against the position. 
Uh, I, I don't really think Gates has a lot of touchdown upside. They might try and force feed it to where he gets one, but me betting on him getting two to retire this week, that seems like a rough bet for me to make. I wouldn't do it. But I still think he's a back-end tight end one just because of all the other options and attrition at the position. We saw him play a season high in snaps last week, You know, get a lot of targets. Hunter Henry sort of failed. But the, the Chargers are one of these teams that I like a lot for next season. What do you think about Gates for this week, though? What, what, I, what I want to think is I love what you just said, attrition at the position. I, I almost – I was just like I, – I just love the sound of that. Attrition at the position, <laughs> and that's what Antonio Gates is. And unfortunately, you know, when I look, I look at this team going in for for next season. You know, you you have Rivers for what? How many more years do you think you got viability at Rivers? Three years, maybe four years, where it's like you're going to be where at, at the at the performance that you really want him to be. I, I go ahead, real quick, Stack. I mean, I think he's got a lot of years left just because he's got to support all those goddamn kids. <laughs> well, that may that may be, but I, I you know I wonder how long the body's going to be able to hold out. And and the thing is. You know, we're seeing Gates here who's really hanging on. And if I look to next year, if he really wants to come back D-Rex next year, that's fine. But he should not be on anyone's fantasy team because it is Hunter Henry going forward. This is where the future of this of this team is going. You, you found a gem in Tyrell Williams as well. So you now you have with him, and now you have also Dontrell Inman, who uh, you may have yeah. to end up giving a contract to because he's developed into this type of receiver for you. You Keenan Allen is maybe the, the, the white elephant in the room and the albatross that needs to be kicked out. I like that. White elephant and albatross within within one one comma. Attrition at the killer. position. I had to respond. You guys are killing it right now. <laughs> Truth so is, Inman, Inman, great player. Tyrell Williams, great player. Like you said, once, uh, once the fella comes back next year, that might be the best wide receiving uh, core in the league. Yeah. Uh, I also think, you know, Travis Benjamin does a, does a couple things well. You know, he's got that deep ball ability that's a, a great add-on to the wide receiver position. So can, I think I wanted... thing, can I say one thing before you go? Sorry to interrupt you. I know there's a little delay. So I think they've got a, you know, deep you know, core of pass catchers. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this team if it's Mike McCoy again or does he get let go because Ken Wisenhunt can do some things with all these pieces on offense, but I, I think expecting 130 targets out of a Keenan Allen with all these other pass catchers around, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to rank Keenan Allen that highly next year. I think he's going to be more of a mid-tier you know, wide receiver too for me. Keenan Allen has got to be falling off of everyone's everyone's flipping radar, especially anyone like me who drafted him in two one league as an auction and one league where I drafted him, and he falls apart on you. As a top tier type guy, you can't have that happen. This is the, how many times now? Two, two times that he's been injured early in seasons in the last two years. So there's no trust in, in, the, in the history, and you have other guys there that no longer is he going to be the target machine that he was at the beginning of this year because we didn't know what we had in a Tyrell Williams or a Donchell Inman. So thank you, Keenan Allen, for destroying your potential by giving all these other guys the opportunity to show exactly what type of players they could be as well. And you know what? Maybe it's not necessarily that Keenan Allen was all that good. Maybe it's that Phillip Rivers is a really good quarterback who gets you the ball if you're open. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And they're just going to be so deep that 
you know, we'll see if Danny Woodhead even comes back because I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. Um, you know, we saw Melvin Gordon. They're saying that they might get him back out there for three yards for a thousand yard season. Uh, Tyrell Williams is on the cusp of a thousand yard season. We know about the Gates record. The, these guys still have a lot to play for. Plus, they can, you know, keep Kansas City from winning, you know, a, a big game to potentially win the division at their house in what could be, what, the last game at Charger Stadium? Potentially, we talked about that a little bit last week, to where they could move to Los Angeles or they could wait a little bit longer. You know, it, it could be the last time there. No, no, I believe there's they have to play one more year in San Diego because the stadium is not going to be ready next year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, so they do have to play in, in San Diego again next year. But this is also the opportunity for, look, as we were talking about it, you, you, you feel a D-Rex, the, the excitement with what this receiving core could be with now what you actually have in Melvin Gordon. Once everyone w- went down that you, you believe that he could become that guy. Um, so you have all the building piece, pieces in place. You could actually now not have to worry about your offense at all. You can spend almost all of your draft this year on defense and rebuild that side of the ball to bring back some of that dominance and you could give your city a, a team to root for that maybe they decide to stay in San Diego. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. I think they need a couple more pieces on the offensive line. But, yeah, the rest of the pieces, Antonio Gates is a backup tight end. Hunter Henry is a tight end one. You know, all the receivers, maybe they add another running back in the middle rounds just to spell Melvin Gordon, you know, be a potential pass-catching back. And also, we've seen Jerry Joey Bosa really step up and be a dynamic force at outside linebacker defensive end for them. So they've got the makings of a good defense with the Hayward signing and with, uh, you know, Jason Verrett coming back. And they've got a lot of different pieces to where it's pretty good, to where if they add a couple pieces here and there, this team could be very good, but it's still a very, very tough division to play in. No, I agree with you there, but my point was is that you don't have to spend your early first-round picks on a wide receiver, on a running back, on a quarterback, on, on any of the skill positions so you can focus on best player available to help your team. And you don't have as many holes done. So, like you said, the best part is that you can find good linemen through the first two, three rounds. You can even find good linemen, you know, offensive linemen in the fourth and fifth round if you're, if you're picking wisely and if you have a good coaching staff that can coach them up. But with Joey Bosa, the impact that you have, now you have Hayward, who's the impact of that, sec- that other level. Well, what if you can add that, whether it's like an Aaron Donald type of a guy or you know, someone who could just disrupt in the middle of that defense or another ridiculous inside middle linebacker into that in, in there, and you have an amazing core. Cool. Let's uh, let's rock on to the next matchup. Before we do so, um, we got a lot of amazing things happening with Pyro and Pyro Pro and the site and uh, new developments and designs and, and things we've been working on for the past couple months that are going to be happening going into next year. Um, in order to pay for those, listen to this. All right, I'll just say it. David Johnson, real good. Leads uh, all non-QBs in points. Probably leads most QBs in points as well. 321 based on our standard Pyro S scoring. Uh, As Staggs alluded to earlier, 116 targets. This guy is such a huge part of 
the passing game that he's just a no-brainer. We think uh, all the all the stuff that we heard earlier in the season, people talking about how he's the best pass catcher since Marshall Falk. He's a Hall of Fame-worthy guy. Um, this is the best player since sliced bread. Might not have just been uh, talk and, and, and all that good stuff. Might be true. Stag Party, what do you got? Well, he's probably unlikely to hit that 1,000-yard receiving mark as of right now, but he's just been so dominant. He's basically, what, LeGarrette Blunt plus... Uh, you're basically LeGarrette Blunt plus Allen Robinson at the wide receiver position, and that's what you get out of David Johnson, the running back. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy that he's basically LeGarrette Blunt and Allen Robinson combined into one player. And the advantage that he's given you in the draft uh, is just awesome. So if you made you know made use of picking him in the middle of the first round, the end of the first round, you got a great pick there. Uh, he's going to be you know one of the top two or three picks in the draft next year. You know, don't hesitate to do it. Just because he's going to remain highly, highly involved, uh, no matter who the quarterback is, he's a threat to score from anywhere on the field and a great red zone runner, great receiver. He's everything you look for in a fantasy running back. So get David Johnson, you know, if you can, you've got to keep him for any round. It's a good keeper. Uh, Looking at the quarterback position, Carson Palmer, is he on his way out? Are they looking to find a replacement to groom for a year? You know, that could be an interesting prospect. Uh, I still think it'll be Carson Palmer's team next year, but I don't know how excited I am about that. Larry Fitzgerald caught another 100 passes, but basically David Johnson is a better receiver than Larry Fitzgerald now, unfortunately. Um, the rest of these guys, they already let go of Michael Floyd. John Brown's got sickle cell and really regressed in his third season. Uh, and then J.J. Nelson has been stepping up, but he's one of those gimmick players. Yeah, so that, I, I, that's exactly what it is. You look at this team, David Johnson is the one consistent. It, it kind of reminds me of what it was when Chris Johnson was running for 2,000 yards and what did the Tennessee Titans have around him. They had an aging quarterback. They had uh, at wide receivers. You know, the, the problem with the wide receiver position is that Larry Fitzgerald is still your best option. And how many seasons is he into at this point in time? You know, this is where, you know, I, I love Fitz, and I, I and I think he's fantastic, but the guy who you were grooming to, to try to be that next guy was Michael Floyd. He's now gone, as you said, so where does that leave this team? I, I look at this team next year that David Johnson should get a ridiculous amount of touches again next year and be able to have the same type of impact just because of the type of player that he is. And J.J. Nelson, you're right, is, is at least a guy who will, as gimmicky as he is, will stretch the field and give those extra spaces, but they don't have a tight end and they don't have a, a, another... They, they're going to have to go... They need to go wide receiver almost in, in, the, in the draft, I think. Heavy. Uh, yeah, Larry Fitzgerald, 13th NFL season. Stag party, hit it. Yeah, I, I think this could be a team that spends a first-round pick on a wide receiver just in order to you know, extend a Super Bowl window that suddenly closed on them in pretty much one season. If they can get a little bit healthier on defense, uh, you know, getting Matthew back, getting Tony Jefferson back, who they recently, who they need to resign, if they can resign 
all their guys that they have as free agents with Calais Campbell and with Chandler Jones that are going to be free agents. This defense still has the makings of one of the best units in the NFL. So adding a wide receiver early for this team makes a lot of sense. And then adding to that offensive line, defensive line and depth and middle rounds could really, you know, pay off for a team like this. Let's flip over to the Rams. What do you got? Well, with the Rams, I got, uh, yeah, no, no, you go, you go, D-Rex. I, I, I really don't I have much to say on this team. I, I don't you, either. There's nothing right, much I'll, to say. Then I'll take it. Then I'll take it. All okay. right. So if I'm going to take it here, uh, it's just been a disappointment. It, it's still just a whole rebuilding process. Uh, this is not the game that you look to start any of the Rams as far as like any type of a play for this week. You know, this is not a, a week for Jared Goff to be getting off and getting and getting his. This is not a week for Todd Gurley to be Jared going Goff off and getting off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, well, he he wishes, you know, maybe he gets off in the LA nightlife. I don't know. Have you find anything online there, D-Rex? Any, any cool pictures of uh, Jared Goff caught in trouble? I'm sure that guy gets a lot of pussy. I'm oh, sure you're right. That it's, like, uh, it's like Entourage season one. Uh, <laughs> but yes. I, 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 as far as playing any of them this week, no. As far as the future, look, you have a world-class defense, right? A defense that has been dominant for, what, four years, three years? Uh, pretty damn good with nothing to show for it on the other side of the ball. You spent your number one pick on the quarterback this year. You have Todd Gurley, so you have two preeminent pieces. You need to now either fill out your offensive line and make that stronger, and you need to add a super skill position. You talk about the Cardinals need to go after a wide receiver. When you have Brian Quick, Kenny Britt, and, and this bunch at wide receiver, you need to go there. Well, Kenny Britt's even a free agent, so they could be in even more trouble. They're not going to have the draft picks from the Jared Goff trade, uh, so an early wide receiver doesn't really make sense for them. Could they spend a middle-round pick on one? Sure, but this is a team that needs help at the skill position, need help at that offensive line, and until they get it, you know, that's the big thing, but it's not going to be a one-year process for them on the offensive side of the ball. So they need to hire one of those offensive coaches who can, you know, mask some deficiencies. They need to, you know, hire a offensive coach who knows what he's doing in order to keep things happening. Well, that was what I was going to allude to when we started talking about the Rams is there was a meeting or going to be a meeting with Gruden and management uh, and the Mr. Uh, Sam Walton's daughter's husband, Kronk uh, or whatever, uh, that jerk. I love you guys, St. Louis. He's going to meet, and basically what I've read from Twitter today is that uh, Gruden's demands are unbelievable. It's like 10 mil a year, full five years guaranteed, full owner, man, GM. He gets the call, the shot, and you want to know what? I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to be the coach for the LA Rams. I think Crockett's going to be like, you know what? I make that literally, I make that whole thing in 70 days. So, okay, I'll, I'll spot you that. And just Gruden being down in LA, heading into a year or so away from that new stadium being built, uh, it's a no brainer for this franchise from a top level uh, situation. Look. You spent how much money 
to move to LA. You're spending how much money for all these things to happen, and you need another team to come to help offset some of the cost, right? Now, what if San Diego decides to stay, and what if Oakland goes ahead and they move to L- to Las Vegas? Well, then you don't have anyone there. You better put all your money there. You better get LA enthused about your team because if they don't, we've seen this before. It doesn't take long for football in Western California to not matter at all. So if if Gruden wants to ask for all that, he's absolutely right to because he's got a ridiculous contract where he's getting paid absorbent amounts of money by Monday Night Football. Take it from Kroenke. Take it from the the guy. You know, he deserves to get stuck for what he did to St. Louis. The really only thing is, how do you treat Todd Gurley in drafts next year? Because I think he's a middle-tier RB2. You know, he's got upside of being better than that, but you also got to account for that downside. Uh, So I I think, right, you know, I think you treat him a little bit ahead of like a Jeremy Hill type, and potentially you could see value, but you could also see a solid RB2 who you know is going to get you, you know, six to ten points on a given week, which is sort of what he did all year long. Yeah, he's not not a first-round pick anymore. He he is definitely, definitely dropped out, definitely dropped down in the ranks. But the benefit of that is that you get a guy who gets to drop down the ranks. Now the other thing that's important is is Gruden going to be the coach? Because if, if Gruden is the coach, I think it gives him higher upside. It, it, otherwise, it depends on who are they who are they bringing in, they, and and what moves do they make? Because if they continue to have just a dearth of of skill player positions on that offense outside of Gurley, then he's going to continue to be targeted. And that's the end of his potential. Do you think uh, that they could give Gurley the ball so many times this week that he goes over a thousand yards? No. <laughs> okay. Next question. Um, <laughs> I think name cachet with Gurley is going to make him be higher. He's not going to be a guy that's all of a sudden going to be an ROI value next year because he's such a, a, a premier name in the league. So that's my only fear. I think if he shits the bed again, then you can start getting him in a value. I'm not he's not a first rounder, as you guys say, but I just think Gurley, people love that guy. He, he's just got that name. Uh, quick question I got for you guys. Kenny Britt, uh, first rounder, end of the first round of 2009, first thousand yard season of his career. So let's let's give the guy a little bit of credit. You know, that's uh shit, that's his eighth season. So Kenny Britt, uh, amen. Nice work, buddy. He went that over the century that was a golf clap. Well, you got it. You got to do it. So, uh, amen. Good, good, good for you, Britt. I think he'll t- he'll he's going to get as much money as he can from anywhere else, but the Rams, because I just don't see the Rams giving it to him. Uh, but thousand yard season. All right, buddy. Way to go. Uh, anything else on this team? Yeah. How about how about Kenny Britt goes to Cincinnati to play opposite of AJ Green? I don't like that. I think they need. I think. I think. I don't hate it, but I think what they need. I was wrong, but I think they need. I think they need a Corey Coleman type outside of him, a space guy that can really open stuff up and change a different dynamic. I, I, that's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping they'll go for. But he needs something. Uh, maybe both of them. Hey, it's not like Britt's going to break the bank. No, he's, he's he's a worrisome guy. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, next game. Uh, Raiders. Poor Raiders. Raiders at Broncos. 
support. What do you guys? Who do you guys feel more sorry for, um, Derek Carr or Talib uh, Aquil or whatever his name Aqib is? Talib. <laughs> <laughs> he went to my college. I hate him so much. I I I feel like I can't Talib remember his name. Talib Aquib. Uh, Talib Aquib. Uh, Free Talib Aquib. Yes, him. Who do you who do you feel worse for, Derek Carr? Thank you. Um, go for it, Stag Party. He hates it when I do stuff like that. Um, yeah, the Raiders. I think it's a heavy, heavy run game. Uh, expect to see a lot of Latavius Murray. Expect to see a lot of the other two guys. DeAndre Washington had some big runs last week. You know, Richard continues to be involved, but you know, Murray torched this team last week. Uh, last time they played, and you know, with Matt McGloin at quarterback. I I think your best course of action is to go completely run heavy and just attack, attack, attack like they did earlier uh, in the season against Denver. So I I like the running backs in this game. They still got a lot to play for with the division number two seed, you know, trying to get a week off, which, you know, could give them a, a big boost, you know, getting McGloin ready. Um, other than that, I... I don't know if I could play Michael Crabtree or Amari Cooper right now. I don't. Uh, McGoin's sort of a gunslinger, though, that has so much confidence in himself that he might just say, fuck it and chuck it. Yeah, you know what? Even if Derek Carr was healthy, you would have reservations about playing those wide receivers against this secondary. With Matt McGloin there, uh, I have a lot of reservations. Okay, that was two racist <laughs> reservations. <laughs> wow. Wow. Ow. 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 I pulled my groin. <laughs> <laughs> next thing, next thing, Houdini's going to start making uh, George Michael and Wham jokes. Come on, no, buddy. Let's keep this it. This is what happens when I don't have my sound bites to, to, to speak for me. This is what happens when you have 50 feet between you and your wife. She's usually, <laughs> she's usually the one who can keep you in line. <laughs> anyway, um, so obviously, I agree. Let's, there's really nothing more to talk about. A guy that maybe is a good DFS play uh, or a good play in this game is South Roberts. Nah, I don't know. No, just the defense is too tough with the Broncos. Yeah. Is, 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 is Roberts, are they not going to play Amari in, in – and um, Crabtree? I think you got to play them both. They give you the best chance to win, and you need it. So then I like I like Seth if those other two guys play, to be honest. Um, one thing I like about McGloin, he's got, the, he's got some experience. As you mentioned, he's got that confidence. He just doesn't – if that guy had a bigger bot, had Derek Carr's body, he would have had a much better – he just doesn't necessarily – he's just like kind of like a small – he doesn't have the athleticism, so we'll see what happens there. Raiders, I hope they can pull. I can hope they can pull off a victory because I don't really like the Broncos all that much. They had their 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 deal last year, um, and I'd like to see the uh, Oakland Raiders have a, a first round bye. Anyway, let's go on to the Broncos side of the ball. Um, they're gonna be playing. They're gonna be starting and playing. Um, uh, what's his name? Freaking quarterback. Trevor Simeon. Sorry, Simeon. Uh, they're not going to go. They're not going with Lynch. Sorry, I'm, I've got a lot going on. Daisy's like shaking over here. I'm going to have to probably take her for a walk here. Um, but yeah, Simeon's playing. They were there was there was rumors that maybe Paxton Lynch was going to be given a shot. They're not going that direction. What go with what you got to say, Stag Party? But basically, 
Trevor Simeon's getting the start, but Paxton Lynch could also see a half of football. If that makes them both bad DFS plays, bad, uh, you know, week 17 championship plays, even though this is a pretty good matchup against the Raiders, uh, you know, Demarius Thomas needs just four receptions to become, what, the third wide receiver in the history of the NFL to have 90 receptions in, what, five years uh, with Torrey Holt uh, and, what, Marvin Harrison? So he's got something to play for. Uh, interesting upside for, you know, Demarius and for Emmanuel Sanders, who's, you know, played very well this year. I think they're both in consideration no matter who the quarterback is. I'm not going to trust the Devontae Booker getting checkdowns last week as a reason to play that guy. That There's nothing to speak of at the tight end position. So the really only two plays here are those, you know, two wide receivers for me. And I think next year they've both got similar wide receiver two sort of upside, but they're also going to have some weekly downside. Yeah, that, that, that's my problem with this team. Is that I, as I look forward with the Broncos, how long can you continue to hold um, your, your defense together uh, that is championship caliber? Because you know what? What you have is, is kind of what the Bears had in 2005 or 2006 when they got to the, to the Super Bowl and then they were a, a floundering offense, but they had a defense that was phenomenal. But you know what? If you can't put anything together on offense, it just doesn't matter, and you're not going to be able to make it. And with this team, is it going to be Paxton Lynch next year, or is it going to be Trevor Simeon next year? I don't know that they're even sold that it's even either one of those two guys, and it may be even one of those situations where they may say, you know what? It's neither of these guys, and these guys are a stopgap. But if those guys are, then you know they also have all the money that they put into C.J. Anderson to, to sign him back to to bring him back, uh, as opposed to him going to Miami. And now that's biting them in the foot. So I think that they're kind of hamstrung, and this is kind of one of those situations where you're going to see a team deteriorate, deteriorating deteriorating over the next uh, two or three years. And I think that maybe it's only good for Sanders and Thomas for garbage yards. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but CJ Anderson got what? Four years, $18 million. He's not really a big contract that you have to contend with. Uh, That's still a very workable running back money. And he proved that, you know, through these other guys failing, that he's the guy that needs to get the ball in this offense. So going forward for next year, I really like C.J. Anderson. He's going to be a centerpiece of this offense. They proved that when they were at their best early in the season, he was you know at the heart of that. They say they trust Trevor Simeon to be the starting quarterback next year. We'll see about that. Uh, Tony Romo could become available. You know, maybe a Tyrod Taylor goes there. You know, something like that to where I, I like. Uh, you know, potential free agents landing spot there. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's much to talk about this game. Let, let's hit that next one. Before we do that, let's uh, listen to this. All right, we got the Giants at the Washington Redskins in a game that means a lot uh, to one side of the coin. Yeah, right. Um, the Redskins... Still in the hunt, they're trying to get in. There's a th- they're among, uh, amongst the Packers and the Lions to see if they can uh, make it happen and, and get in. Uh, I hope they do, mostly because Cousins. I want you know he's my guy, fourth overall QB. Um, 
he's my guy, and he's actually just short of something that I think I called in the offseason, 5,000 yards. Uh, he needs 370 yards to get it. That's uh, just short? <laughs> well, for what, him, he's had what, a number of huge games. It's, it, 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 I don't know if he's going to get it, but I think they're going to try and get it. How, what's, what's the scenario for the Redskins to get in? What do they need to have happen? Is it do they need is it do they have to root for the the Packers or do they have to root for uh, the Lions? You can't root for anybody. You play it doesn't matter. The only way that the, the only way that Washington if Washington wins is unless the Lions Packers tie, they're in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's basically like they just need to win. They and then they're in because. Uh, but the crazy the crazy thing is. Uh, could you imagine a, a, a game, the, and it's the last game of the year, the Packers and Lions ends in a tie, sending them both into the playoffs? Yeah, what if they just agree to tie and take yeah, knees? right? Like, let's not get anybody hurt here. Three knees, three. Like, their fans would murder them. The NFL, like, would in a Sunday night game, it would be all-out chaos. It would be like that one commercial I've seen every once in a while. It's like, team, team, uh, like, um, being team camaraderie and where like somebody trips in the middle of a race and then they pick them up and they walk across the finish line together yeah. that, that that's a special olympics commercial that's it's, it's it's a very uplifting commercial so um but i will tell you that the, uh, i was wondering if anyone was gonna say that i just oh my god i'm just making it a commercial I just wanted to see where you where you went with it. Um, so, but the interesting thing is that it doesn't matter if they win or lose, right? It's just a matter if that game were to tie. No, they need a win. They need a win. Okay, so if, they, lo- if they lose both both the, the that Sunday night game doesn't matter. So They're here's both the thing. going in. I bet you they lose because you know what? You talk about the Giants having something to play for. The Giants had everything to play for last week, and they blew it. Against the Philadelphia Eagles, they they completely had everything laid out for them to have the opportunity, and they blew it leading into this game. So now they have nothing to play for except to ruin a division rival's chances. And so this is why this is a competitive game because the Giants are not going to roll over and just say, "Go ahead, Washington, have this game." Uh, they might because they're saying that they could sit all their starters. Or they could only play a half of football. Like, Odell Beckham's expected to play a half of football. Uh, you know, so this, this could be a game where Eli Manning doesn't play very much. They could say, hey, have at it. You know, good luck. Let's get all three of the NFC East teams in into the playoffs. You know, if unless something crazy happens. Like, so. it, is, it should be interesting. I think. I think it's 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 a it's a toss up. I think Houdini yeah. got great points, and I think it's a stag party as well. I, I I agree that I think they could go for it because they played so terribly, and and more so for Odell, he's so competitive. I mean, you saw his reaction to that loss last week. I mean, geez, Louise, showboating yeah. reaction. Yeah, showboating reaction. He's just crazy, but still love the guys. Yeah. I, my 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 point here is that it's like I don't understand. It, it's happened before. Where, where teams 
rest guys and don't try to put them out, and they're your division rival. And then it comes back to bite you in the ass. And everyone here in Chicago should remember when the Bears played the Packers in that last game in, uh, what was it, 2012 or 2011, whatever it was, and they had a chance to, to knock them out of the playoffs. And then what do the Packers do? They come all the way back, and they win the NFC Championship game in Chicago. So you really want to face a team that, that doesn't worry about coming onto the road and facing you because they play you twice a year, every goddamn year. It's so dumb. If you have a chance to knock your division rival out of the playoffs, you do it. You don't want that familiarity. You'd rather face somebody else. Unless you're a pussy. Absolutely. That year, that year, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers won the Super Bowl. If the Bears had won that game 17, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs. So there you go. The, the 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 New York Giants would love any other team and any other quarterback than Cousins. Let's say they got on a hot run, they make the playoffs. And they, you, you, I agree with you. Uh, anything else to say on this one, Stags? What do you got? I mean, Eli Manning and Eli Manning is a tough play. We don't know how much he's going to play. Odell Beckham's, you know, probably a good play just because he could take one to the house at any point in the game. But expecting him to play four quarters seems you know, outside of the realm of possibility, according to every all the reports we're getting from that team. So I don't expect a lot of Rashad Jennings. Maybe this could be a Paul Perkins game where he finally gets to show what he's got, and maybe it could be time for him to usurp, uh, you know, Rashad Jennings as we get to playoff times. Uh, Sterling Shepard, touchdown or bust. I, I don't know if he can get it against Washington. But Odell should also see Josh Norman. It didn't slow him down last time. Uh, so that's sort of how I see it playing out from the Giants' side. I think Odell's the only real trustworthy player there, and Paul Perkins is maybe worth a flex shot. Flipping over to Washington, they've got so much to play for, but the Giants are one of the tougher defenses in the league, uh, depending on if they sit everybody or if they sit s- some people at half. It-, it could line up to be a great matchup for them, um, even though they're tough. You know, when, on the surface. So I, I like Kirk Cousins a lot this week. He's got a lot to play for. He's one of those quarterbacks uh, with a lot of different weapons. We've seen Deshaun Jackson and his hot streak as of late. He's had a couple hundred yard ga- or four hundred yard games in his last six. So he's the receiver. You know, with some upside there. Jamison Crowder has been, you know, the he's forgotten man spelunking. the last couple weeks. Yeah, he's uh, been spelunking. Remember, he was like he was like wide receiver. 12 or something uh, four, four, three or four weeks ago when we were talking about it, and he's gone flying right down the radar, sitting right now. Crowder uh, is 24. So yeah. he's had a bad few weeks while while Deshaun's kind of uh, hit, hit, hit it running. What's up? Now, Crowder's gotten the bitch slap for his performance in the fantasy playoffs. He he was leading the way. As I said, he was like the number eight guy. That was in the regular season, not the fantasy playoffs, because as I got to the quarter, the semifinals, he did nothing for me. Uh, he really did nothing for me for two weeks in a row. Uh, it was just atrocious what he's been down, down the stretch here. But you know what? That's not to say that that he doesn't have a big game here, and, and that's not to say that he doesn't have a big playoff performance. You know, it's one of those things that Again, you know, football, it, it's, it's when you have a slump, it's not like baseball where it's like, okay, it's three weeks, four weeks, and, and then you can come out of it. Three weeks, four weeks, that's a quarter of your season. <laughs> you know, 
Uh, it's yeah. it's not the same thing as baseball. Well, the last three, the last three weeks, Crowder has had um, sixty four yards on twelve catches, zero touchdowns. Not and good. also, Jordan Reed's expected. Jordan Reed's expected to play in this game. Uh, you know, with his injury, he sat out again last week to try to get a little healthier. But they need him. He'll play. I still think he's a good, you know, mid-tier tight end one if he plays. Pierre Garçon's also been involved, so I think he's got some appeal. But that's about it. I think he could play everybody on the Washington side. To to correct myself on the Crowder, actually, he's got seven catches. It was on twelve targets. Jeez, that's the last three weeks. Seven catches, 12 targets for um, 64 yards. Boop, boop. Uh, anyway, let's, um, let's move on to the next matchup, and that's the Seahawks at the 49ers. Stag party. Uh, do your thing. Get it going. Rock it out. It was a Coors Banquet beer, so it doesn't make a lot of noise. Sorry. Yeah, I can see it. Banquet beer, looking good. Wyandini knocked out a bottle of wine. Well done. Go stay. <laughs> uh, Houdini, let us shut up for a minute because I want to. I want to cruise through this game and get us caught up a little bit. Um, Stag party, do your thing. So Seattle's playing simultaneously with Atlanta, and they're both sort of playing for. Uh, the second spot in the playoffs and that first round by it's going to come down to the wire. No one's really going to know the results. So Seattle's going to be playing for everything they got. Uh, I, I think I like them against San Francisco, Thomas Rawls practicing in full today. You know, that shoulder injury, you know, ruined some fantasy championships if you played them. So, but now he's got a cake matchup, but also they could run a lot of Alex Collins and Rawls. Um, so there's that, uh, Rawls isn't the most trustworthy player at this point. Uh, Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson, both great plays. I also think Jimmy Graham's a very, very strong play in regular leagues and in DFS. I think he's just 4,500 on DraftKings and under 6K on FanDuel. So he's a tight end to potentially target into your lineups against San Francisco. I I think you play the studs here. You play Russell Wilson, you play Doug Baldwin and you play Jimmy Graham, and then you sort of decide your risk level at running back. Because it could, you know, Thomas Rawls could be completely healthy and they can give a ton to, you know, Alex Collins to save Rawls for the playoffs. You know, it's tough to say at that running back position. That's all I really got there. San Francisco, Colin Kaepernick against uh, Seattle. It's a tough matchup, but he's just been doing it with his legs so often this season that he's an interesting play. We've seen him use his legs a lot against Seattle in the past as he has a tough time throwing against them. So I think he's a mid-tier QB1, especially with all these other guys out and a lot of backup quarterbacks in. But I'm not starting any of his receivers, any of his tight ends. Carlos Hyde is now on IR with the sprained MCL, or a torn MCL, excuse me. But they're not expecting surgery, so he should be back next year. When it comes to Carlos Hyde, we've seen immense talent, but we've also seen injuries, and he's played just 34 or 48 games through you know the first three seasons in his career. Uh, you got to weigh those risks in when you draft him, but when he's out there, he's a stud. We'll see what happens with Chip Kelly. 
you know, after the season, whether they choose to keep him on for another year or if they move on. But if they move I, on, in my opinion, if they move on, they're assholes. Yeah, but Jed, that, you're, he's not great. Opinion. I agree, they're not great. They suck. Balky and Jed, these just—if they just move on, then they're 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 buttholes. Yeah. That's all I got for this game, honestly. It's Colin Kaepernick. Uh, so it's Dewan Harris and Sean Drawn expected to, you know, split the carries. Uh, Dewan Harris earlier this season when Carlos Hyde was out was the main rusher, and they still used Sean Drawn in the change of pace, third down roll. But he was also banged up at that time. So I don't know which guy is going to be the big guy. But I, I think I'd rather take the shot on the receiving back against Seattle rather than the rushing back, but that's just me. My, my, my question would be, so looking in the next year, in this of these two teams, which running back do you like the most? I, I like Hyde better. Still Hyde. I mean, we got to see how, how his recovery goes and what, what happens. I mean, it was a pretty brutal, brutal hit and obviously major injury. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. Beast mode returns. <laughs> took a year off. He's like, "All right, fellas, I just wanted to go hang out and, and enjoy enjoy shit." Um, all right, yeah, enjoy my skittles. Uh, all right, let's go to the next one. This will, but before we do so, this will be our last advertisement of the evening. Bear with us. Last advertisement of the regular season. Yes, hey, this is now, game two fifty-five. Right game two fifty-five. This is the second to last game played of our season, and it is a late game, and it's going to be the Saints at the Falcons. Two indoor teams. Uh, obviously, the Saints are out. Falcons are trying to get that ever elusive second seed. So this is an important game to them. What do you guys think about it? This is also one of those games that usually shoots out. Um, they're playing in the same time slot. They won't know an outcome. So I think this is a game to target for DFS, but I also think a lot of people will be on it. Uh, both teams, very good offenses, middling at best defenses. So, you know, looking at the New Orleans side of the ball, Drew Brees, even though he's on the road, he's in the dome. Should be good for him. I like Michael Thomas. I like Cooks. I like Snead. Sneed to the lessest extent, of course, because we've seen more out of these other two receivers. Uh, Brandon Cooks should be able to get things done because he's going to have a slower corner on him than typically Desmond Trufant. Um, Mark Ingram, he separated from the pack last week of Tim Hightower, played 48 uh, snaps to 15. So he's a guy I like targeting in DFS against Atlanta who gives it up to opposing running backs. He's coming off a two-touchdown performance. Uh, I, I like – pretty much I like all the Saints. You got any disagreements there, Deanie? No, I, I'm, I'm all aboard on this one because, look, this is, again, a Falcons defense that does not really do that much to deter offenses – you have familiarity between these two teams. You have a division rival who is going to do everything they can to prevent the Atlanta Falcons from getting the number two seed. This is not like where I think it's like, oh, we're going to, you know, like the Giants. If the Giants really want to hand the Redskins that, that, that playoff spot and that playoff seed, that's, that's stupid. I, I just don't get it. 
And I don't think that you, know, you have this one. You'll see New Orleans do everything they can to say no. We're going to prevent you from, from having that glory, and we're going to steal it from you in the last week of the season. Too many veterans. Drew Brees, he's playing the whole game. Sean Payton, he's playing to win. So they're going to bring it. I love all those Saints players. I'm with you 100%. But at the same time, as we flip it to the other side, I am in love with all of these Falcon players as well, starting with Matt Ryan. You know, going against the same defense, Yes, you, you're, you're in the Dome in New Orleans, but at the same time, it's not the same energy that you would have had in the Dome if they were playing for a division title. This is They're playing for nothing in New Orleans. They're just playing for the, the end of the year. It's more of a party outside the stadium. It's in it Atlanta. Is. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, party out in, in Atlanta anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, great strip clubs, great strip clubs. Actually, right. I can I can debunk that. I was in Atlanta in May, and we went. I went. I went with a bunch of married guys. I hope none of their wives are listening. But we went to every good strip club, overrated strip clubs, and we spent a lot of money. Hey guys, I gotta make. <laughs> I'm gonna be back in six. I'm gonna be back in about 20 seconds. I'm gonna make the 60 foot run. There's a strip club that my wife uh, had told me about in in Atlanta. Where, where strippers go to die. So this is like the the, the end-all, beat-all, dead-end strippers, like boobs hanging to the ground. Uh, you want to take someone on the, on the go worst? Go find out. Where, I'll tell you. Go find out where your wife used to work. I bet you we went. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice little walk-off there. Yeah, I love it. He'll be yeah. in here. On the Atlanta side. Love Matt Ryan. I think Julio Jones doesn't play a huge number of snaps again. Still think they're saving him, you know, for the playoff stretch run in which they're really going to need him. You got it, Houdini? Hang on. First, I got a that's – for, that's for D-Rex. Don't you dare talk that kind of smack. <laughs> All right? But I know that you would spend time at this place, uh, D-Rex. You would be living at the Claremont Lounge. That's where you would be. Hanging out with, with, with funny Fanny oh. Funkle. That's what you would be. And you know what? My dog Rigby says a big, screw you, bastard. You're nothing. I, I just got a Rigby bitch slap. You did. <laughs> Boom. He hits you Rigby. Uh, Boom. Yeah. He's coming at you. I didn't go to the, I didn't go there. All right. I didn't go there. The stag party. Close it out with the Falcons. I like it. Devonta Freeman. Looks like a great play against the Saints. Whenever they're at home, that's where he scored 10 of his 12 touchdowns on the season. Tevin Coleman seems to be the guy who scores on the road more often, and it's a real weird split uh, from Evan Silva that I've seen. It's it's just great. Like Devonta Freeman's the guy at home. Tevin Coleman's the guy who scores on the road. It's crazy how it works out, but I think it could be good for both of them. I think Tevin Coleman's a real strong play here as well. Um Taylor Gabriel's a boomer bust wide receiver three. Uh, Austin Hooper's expected to be back in the lineup, but he's dealing with an MCL sprain. So if he misses, you know, no big deal because I think it's, you know, a little bit of Taylor Gabriel. uh, And then, you know, mostly these running backs for me, Matt Ryan getting involved. uh, And, and as I said, I think Julio doesn't play a hundred percent of the snaps or 90% of the snaps. I think he's more in the 50 to 60% of snap range. I think the biggest key that you need, if you're a Falcon player in fantasy or DFS or either which way is that you just need to make sure that 
the win is necessary for them to, to lock down the number two spot. As long as they have that going into this game and they have to win, then everything is all set up. That, that's they what do. you need. So, so that's, so there's where games you, are happening like, simultaneously. Yeah. So this is all you can ask for. So everything is there. Play those guys. Great matchup. This is one of the better games. This and the last game are the two games that have all the major fantasy plays in it. If you really want to be solid, it's this game, and now let's talk about the last game, which is the, the, the Packers and the Lions. Well, hold on. Let, Stag Party's got one more thing. Stag Party's got one more thing, right? I do. Oh, you don't? Okay, I thought you said you wanted something. Game 256 on show 256. Holla $4. This is the end of the regular season, the 2016 season, last game, and it comes down to who's going to win the NFC North, we, we pretty much think. Uh well, we know that one, um, and it's this is this is awesome. This is good, good, good times. The best game of the week. Both are all in, as Stag says, highly motivated. What do you got, Stag Party? So even if Washington loses, this game is still for a home game in the divisional round of the playoffs. So no matter what happens with Washington, and both of these teams could be in. You got, like, this game still matters a lot for who's going to be at home, you know, next week in this wild card round. So there's going to be a ton to play for no matter how you look at it. Green Bay has had a long stretch of running this division. The Detroit also wants to play spoiler to that. When you look at Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay, <laughs> basically, Green Toy Bay. Boat, Toy <laughs> Boat, Toy Boat, Toy Boat, Toy Boat. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. I'm pretty good there. Well, I'm just drunk and I think I'm good. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. <laughs> you look at Green Bay, and I don't think there's a player I don't want to play. I mean, you want to play Aaron Rodgers. I think he's the best DFS quarterback out there this week. Jordy Nelson is probably one of the top receiver plays of the week. Devontae Adams is a solid play at receiver. Uh, Ty Montgomery, no matter what position you can play him at, he's a solid play. Of course, I prefer playing him at wide receiver because you know he's going to get some touches, even though he's sort of disappointed last week. Uh, I really like all the pieces. Randall Cobb is going to be the one that's most up in the air. But I also think Jared Cook's a strong play in this game. As Detroit is bad against opposing tight ends, they have been all season. It's been a trend to which you've been picking on in DFS. So I think Jared Cook's a strong play if he's healthy, uh, which you never really know with Jared Cook. But Randall Cobb is the guy I prob the only guy I probably avoid, even if he's active. I, I tell you what, I think this is going to be a, a great game as well. But I also think this is one of those games where I think everyone is predetermined that it's the Green Bay going to win the game, uh, going to walk all over Detroit, and just going to go ahead and run into, into the sunset. And, and I, I don't see it that way. You know, and the, the bigger reason that I don't see it that way is that this game is in Detroit. And, you know, the, there is familiarity between these teams. There is there's not that, oh, my God, we're playing Aaron Rodgers and that we're facing that. We face them all the time. Matthew Stafford, what, what needs to happen is someone has got to step up. You know, someone has got to, you know, since Theo Riddick has been out of that, of that running attack, they've not really done anything dynamic out of the running game. Um, they need someone. Marvin Jones has not been what he was in that first half of the season. 
You have Golden Tate, who's who's upped his ante, and Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron has been the guy that's really stepped up his game. So can Marvin Jones? He's got to be an X factor. You know who's going to be, and someone else. There has to be a nobody that just steps up and has a game of their life in order to bring it home. But I think they're going to keep it close. I just don't see Green Bay running away with this game. So it's going to be. It's it, but I, I, like I, the, I like the Lions too. Yeah, I, I think the Lions are going to win. I like the Lions. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers made that proclamation that hey, we're four and six right now, but I think we can run the table. That's going to be one of the good storylines moving up into this game. Looking at Matthew Stafford, you know, over the last handful of weeks, he hasn't been a very good uh, fantasy quarterback over the last six weeks, has just a 1.7 touchdown rate. Uh, That's higher than just two players, and their names are Robert Griffin III and, what, Tom Savage, who haven't thrown a touchdown since being back from their injuries. Um, So that's a little disconcerting. Uh, you're going to need Matthew Stafford to throw some touchdowns if they want this game to win, uh, if they want to win this game. But I think Zach Zenner is interesting if, you know, Theo Riddick's going to be out. But you, I don't think you can hold out hope for Theo Riddick. He's still not back in practice yet. Uh, Marvin Jones, his 200-yard game did come against the Screen Bay secondary, but they're a little bit healthier now than they were at that point. So it, it could be good things for a Marvin Jones, but I, I don't. He's not trustable. The most trustable guy here is Ebron and Golden Tate, like you mentioned. Tate's just been heavily targeted in the last couple weeks and should be heavily targeted again this week. I really like his sort of upside, and I like Eric Ebron in this matchup. Uh, the question is, can you start Stafford because he just well, hasn't been throwing touchdowns? He hasn't been very good for fantasy as of late. Yeah, but you know what? He hasn't been good as of late, but at the same time, I'll take him later than earlier because all this bad news has happened for him since he played the Bears. And when they played the Bears, was that, was that three weeks ago or four weeks ago? And it was when he hit the middle finger. That's when, yeah, Exactly. It's when he injured the finger. And, uh, and, and, and since then, he's been wearing the glove. But now you're having an extra week. And so I just think that the more time that he has since that injury, the better he's going to be. And I think that... Things are, are, are shaving up to at least you now don't have to worry about injured finger on the road in cold weather and in, in, in hitting icy ground and stuff. You're in a controlled environment. You're in the dome. So I'll take my chances here. I think that and, and Stafford has been waiting his entire career to play this game, to play a game that means something and not to play it against, you know, the Cleveland Browns to win, to get into the into the playoffs. It's to play it against Aaron Rodgers. And, and to beat your division rival and to win your division. And and the Detroit Lions, what has it been? How long has it been since they won the goddamn division? Did they win it a couple years ago? But what, the last time they – I think it's like the 90s since they've been to the playoffs, right? Been a while. It's been a while. Um, here's what I think is going to happen. Matthew Stafford, before the game, he's going to go to his locker room, it's going to be a Joe Boo, fuck you Joe Boo moment. He's going to smell the glove, spinal tap style. He's going to smell the glove, and he's going to uh, turn it to up to 11. And the Lions are going to win. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Batting against the Packers, but that's just me. What do you got? 
I, I was just going to say play the, audio uh, bites, sound bites right now. No, no, I was, I was just going to say that the, the, Lions were, the Lions were in the playoffs in 2014 and 2011, and then it goes back to 1999 that they last made the playoffs. So yeah, they, they got they had a couple disappointments for Charles Johnson, uh, Charles, uh, what, what's his name, the guy that's gone? Calvin uh, Johnson. Calvin, not Charles. <laughs> Calvin yeah. Johnson, mega, mega. All right, I think we should shut this party down. What do you think? But they have not won a playoff game since 1991. Since 1991. Yeah. God, that's a long time. So that's the year I got more pussy than any other year in the history of my life. Uh, the one thing I want to make sure uh, that ever creepy, creepy. Uh, one thing I'll say is, will you guys, I had a question for you. Reggie Bush currently has negative uh, three yards rushing on the season. He's on the verge of being the first player in NFL history to finish with, with uh, the, uh, the allotted amounts to, to qualify, to be the first running back in the history of the NFL to finish the season in negative yardage. Will the Bills make sure he gets the yardage? No. <laughs> He's going to finish. Reggie Bush is going to finish the season 12 rushes for negative three yards and one one rushing TD for one yard. <laughs> Apparently. Hey, at least he's in, he's, in, he's, in, he's in positive fantasy points. All right. That's the only thing I had to say. Reggie Bush. Good times. The opening music um, is Santa Gold, and we started out with Desperate Youth. We're going to close out with the Riots game. Santa Gold, if you don't know her music, she is fucking awesome. Check that shite out. Uh, Deanie, what kind of wine were you drinking? We know you were drinking a banquet beer afterwards, but oh, you, you don't even a, know. All right. I, I put it away, but it was a Cabernet Sauvignon, but then I moved out of the banquet beer. So, All right. Well, I'm drinking a... I'm drinking Gone Away India Pale Ale. My boy is at uh, Half Acre Brewing Company, Chicago Brewing Company. It's a seasonal IPA. It's my go-to right now. It's a four-pack for 10 bucks, which is annoying and expensive. But that's my favorite beer right now. It's just goods, goods, goods. Fellas, awesome to connect. Can't wait. Next week, we'll do the show together. Let's make sure we do that. Hope you guys had a wonderful uh, Christmas. And a, a good little holiday dwindle down, and uh, you're going through and re-energizing yourself for the new year. I love you both, um, and I hope both of you guys have an amazing new year. Uh, I'm sure I'll be texting with you throughout. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Happy Dude, New Year, you guys. The delay was more weird there than it was the whole show. That was good. That was the point. Way that was the it. point. All right, guys. I seriously love you. I seriously love you guys. Uh, Deanie, keep it up. Stag party. You're the man. Uh, let's do it. When, if you're doing week 17 as your championship, let's win it. If you're listening to us because you love fantasy or DFS, let's keep it going. We'll be here. <coughs> Excuse me. Through the playoffs, all off season, getting it going. Pyromaniac, we love you. Later, fellas.